you're live. Ba -da -ba -da 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 and then I walk on camera, and then I sit down on camera, and I'm like, yo, how's everybody doing tonight? Huh, why do I look so... No one. Doing a little bit, something a little bit different tonight. What is that? I'm going to play Animal Crossing while we do this. Oh, Lord. Yeah. So if you happen to be near your Animal Crossing, I can always open it up, and you can come in as well. My Switch is sitting right next to me. There you go. See, that sounds perfectly. Perfectly? Yeah. Mm. I, I threw well. together a very crude representation of what I'm wearing right now in-game. The only thing I've worn is a long-sleeve shirt I custom designed. The pants I started with and the shoes I started with. I, uh, bought some new shoes. I'm waiting for those to be delivered. Nope. But, uh... <laughs> anyway... What? Why you say it like that? Welcome to another episode of Space. Hey, Time we're not Talk. there yet. <laughs> yes, we are. No, no, no. I need to 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 do some. You need to not play Animal Crossing your podcast. Well, you were talking, so I didn't want to interrupt you. Um. So yeah, we're doing this is this is our second social distanced episode. Uh, now with gameplay. Because, you know, watching an empty screen do nothing is kind of boring. I mean, hell, watching people talk to you is kind of boring, too. So, you know. That's true. Resignation. Um, is, before I go anywhere, what are the turnip prices on your <laughs> Motherfucker. <laughs> do you have turnips? Five. Don't they expire tomorrow? No, they expire Sunday. Again, don't they expire tomorrow? <laughs> Fifty. Right, how much did you pay for them? They're 100 each. You pay the default price. Oh, it is always the same price for that? Yeah. Alright, currently, turnip prices are 137 bells. Okay. Yay. Timmy, I'll sell. I probably have something I can get rid of. Um, no, I like all this. Sorry. I can't go to other islands with you, can I? No. That's slightly obnoxious. Yeah, I've only got 77 bells per piece since I went down. It was like 133 yesterday. I just told you mine was 137. I know. I was checking mine to see if it went up. Oh, uh, okay. I don't, I don't even attempt to deal with the stock market. Well... Yesterday, someone's price posted in the Discord. I'm in. Their price was up to 433. Damn. So one of the big stories surrounding Animal Crossing this week has been people opening up their islands and having entire queues of players waiting to sell crabs. That's fucking crazy. Right. Once I open up this. Uh... This island, we can uh, legitimately start this podcast. That's right, because we have not legitimately started this podcast yet. What? No, we have not. Oh my god. Saving. Donut touch. And who don't want to invite? All my friends. Only my best friends. 
Nate, you have special permissions. Don't fuck up. I'm looking at where the camera used to be. Don't fuck up my island. I'm not gonna fuck up your island. All right. I'm just here to sell some fucking root vegetables. Sell some roots. Root vegetables. Yeah. Hey, make sure you bring some of your fruit. All I have is apples. Oh, you have apples? I thought you had oranges. Yeah. Never mind. I mean, I'm growing oranges. I am too. So I have like maybe 12 oranges, but I'm not gonna knock them all down just to sell them right now. I'm just gonna sit in town with everybody. Hello and welcome to another episode of Space Time Taco. I'm your host, Chris, with... Nate. And you can see his head over on the other side of the screen. And that's all you're gonna see because Nate doesn't have a camera. And even if you wanted to get a camera... The one I have right now is three times as expensive as it normally is, and the good one that we use during Extra Life that we borrow from our friend, and also technically member of Space I'm Talking, um, uh, it, his was, or now, I think it's going for $600, because, wow, pandemics, huh? So, did the prices on webcams blow up, I guess? Yep, everything is ridiculously overpriced at this point in time. Yep. I won't be getting a webcam anytime soon. I just got done spending $150 on a headlight housing replacement for my car. Because deer, deer side. Hey, we're not going to talk about one of the things you put on the list just because um, I'm pretty sure it's not happening anymore. And also, basically, the comic industry is kind of fucked right now. I would hope not, but... It's still on Marvel's official website. That's where the yeah, link went. I'm just gonna ignore it. I don't even want to bring it up because it is one of those things where they could. It's easy to add representation into a thing naturally, uh, and in that case, it is in no way natural whatsoever. All the only thing else I won't even say what the name of it is. The only thing I'll say is, from like my perspective, when I first saw anything about it i was like this has to be a joke and then when i found it on the website and i watched the trailer video they released for it mm -hmm. you're like they put too much I was like, into this this is not a joke this is not a joke this is like a 40 year old man writing a 16 year old's like wattpad fanfic of what marvel superheroes are what is a wattpad <laughs> it's fanfic.net but worse <laughs> oh okay uh, so, Kim and I, first of all, this is going to be a very off-the-rails kind of episode, um, mostly because the majority of gaming news recently, in entertainment in general, has been cancellations and uh, other things such as that. So, you know. Oh, I'm sorry, Nate. By the way, I'm not feeling the greatest. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, oh, you know what? I just remembered I got a new one. Yeah, here we go. I got the cold chill. Oh no. You got a cold chill and a sneeze. I, yeah, I, my wheel is filled up and I didn't realize there were as many as they were because I opened, you can click the all button. And then it's like, oh, okay, there's a lot more here. Why haven't you sleepy yet? Oh, um, so, Nate, what I'm wearing right now, these, like, they're, like, the light 
worn jeans in a Dr. Pepper mm -hmm. hoodie, I'm literally wearing that on camera right now. <laughs> so that Dr. Pepper design, did you find it or did you make it? I literally made it uh, before we went live. That's why it looks horrible. I will so, go back and eventually make it much better, but for now, hey, it says Dr. Pepper on my shirt, and that's all that matters. I have three custom designs, one which is the flag for my island, one which is Oh, did you see I'm my wearing. island flag, by the way? I think I saw it before when I came here. You made a taco logo for yeah. me. Yeah. I also have... Um, but... In Animal Crossing news, anyway, since we're sitting here fucking playing it. On what the Animal Crossing news? Are we talking about my favorite addition to the? Oh, you know what, Nate? Before we talk about that, I know it's a story. Um, follow me once you're done selling some shit. Okay. I'm just gonna. Oh, you get Nook Miles for participating in the stock market. Oh, that's a new thing I didn't know about. Yeah, I just sold all these turnips and got Nook Miles for it. Um. <clears throat> oh wow, you have a space time talking design. Yeah, I have this one. I have a blue version of this, and then I have the regular taco shirt. This is the Talco. Also, I'm sorry. You left a hornet's nest on the ground. Oh, I ran into my house. You can take it, can't you? Yes, I can take it. I'm just. I was leaving it there in case you wanted it for something. Yeah, I'm good. I got enough. I'm not making, like, the honeycomb floors or walls or anything. Wait, where did you get? I'm in my house. Oh, shit, I forgot I threw stuff in here by accident. The, um... Anyway, the holiday... Oh, did you come into my house already? Yes. I'm here. Okay. Jesus. You have a Kotatsu with space time time. Oh, hell yeah, man. <laughs> Customization options are the best. All right, so... I want a Kotatsu. I'll just sit on my stool and we can talk about the uh, awesomeness of. Oh God! The current event in uh, Animal I, Crossing. I'm leaving. I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm gone. So starting on April first, running through the twelfth. Uh, also, Nate, if you didn't look, I also have four out of the six um, full os uh, egg costumes as well. Um, oh yeah, I'm, I'm aware. People have a lot of this shit. Oh yeah, I want to get the entire collection so I can get my zippy toy. Yeah, I'm working on it. I really wish I wasn't. The problem... The, the, what are you doing the, in my bedroom? I'm just, just looking at all your rooms and I just left your house. The problem I have with fucking Bunny Day is not like... You know, oh, there's atrocious fucking items associated with it. Or that. I mean, there it's are atrocious items. There are atrocious items. Is that it's stopping you from progressing towards other things? It is slowing that progression, that's for sure. For instance, yes. let's see what I catch when I go for this fish. Alright, let's see. Do I get a sea bass or... <gasps> oh, shit! Wait, why'd you leave my town? What? You left my town? Yes, I left your town. Aw. <laughs> Alright, fine. Um, <laughs> the, uh... Bye, bye, Teapot. 
it definitely is slowing down people's progression towards stuff. I mean, you fish, you catch water eggs. You fucking chop down trees, you'll get wood eggs. You dig for spots in the ground, you can get a fossil, and instead you get a ground egg. Well, okay, so that is the mm-hmm. one thing about the ground eggs. You can still get your daily four fossils. Yes, you can. Um, you're not. That's not going to fuck up anything for you. Um, I. By the way, I was trying to fish to show that you get these goddamn water eggs. Uh, I got a red snapper. <laughs> I'm like, okay, <laughs> never is, mind. Is you'll go to islands. You'll do the Nook Miles tickets, and you'll go to islands where it'll be like a fossil island, where you're gonna get like maybe five fossils. Mm-hmm. But because of the way the eggs generate and spawn in the game. Like three or four of those fossils might just be eggs. So that, that's <laughs> so, the one thing. So is it even on like the fossil islands? It's changing the drop for the fossils. You aren't getting your normal. Um... It's it's changing everything. The spawn tables are all messed up because they have to make room for these eggs in the game. Yeah. Okay. That part is a little mm-hmm. disappointing. I didn't realize it was affecting that kind of stuff. See, you didn't even look around my town, see my new layout. I've been working really hard on making all the trees in places that don't annoy me. I saw most of it. You basically cleared out a lot of the trees, moved them out to the outside of the island, and put all your houses in one place. Yep. <laughs> uh, it was going to be a di- certain way, but the measurement was off by, like, one, and that's what pissed me off. So I'm like, all right, cool. Once I get enough money, I'll just start rearranging the entire house. I actually have an, in- an entirely new section of the island um, converted for housing development. Hmm. I forgot what I just came in for. Um... Well, I've yeah. got, like, these three really high peninsulas, like, tier three peninsulas. Yeah. So, I just got done clearing one off, cut down all the trees, weeded everything, took away all the flowers, everything is gone from that. And it's just gonna be fruit trees now. So. Yeah, right now I have a little four, four apple orchard, a, um... Fuck, man, can I just say, the most difficult resource in this whole fucking game to get is goddamn regular wood. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, one of those weird things. I found out that using different types of axes on different things has a chance to yield different resources at higher rates. Hmm. So, for example, like when I go around and hit rocks, I don't even use my shovel anymore. I just use a stone axe. I build a flimsy axe, I turn into a stone axe because I get a lot more iron that way. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, I just used... I'm not sure if it's 100% true that that happens, but that's been my experience. I'm gonna make make at least three of these. By the way, my hot item today is simple beds. I think my hot item today was iron garden chairs, which... I just got done selling two days ago because it was the hot item two days ago and I'm tired of wasting all my iron building chairs I'm never going to use and just sell. Hey man, it's worth it sometimes. I got like 100 or 200 iron or something like that right now, so. I wish I had that much. I wasted it all building chairs. Yeah, usually I won't do the, if it's, the only reason I'll do sell a hot item is if it is for, um, well, yeah, I'll, if it's like a good price. Oh, sorry, no, for Nook Miles. That's why. I only sell hot items for Nook Miles. I won't sell the snapper, though. Simple wood bed. So, yeah, I thought I'd make three. Whatever. Have you played anything other than Animal Crossing this week? I have. Um, so, I finally, I took advantage of uh, GameStop being a horrible company. 
um, and I feel bad for all their employees, some of which, my, my personal GameStop uh, just was closed by the fire marshal the other day um, because they were basically told to continue working even though they're not supposed to be working. Um, and this is after they were already told that they had to cl close down. <laughs> Yay. Fuck, 11,000 bells. I might be... Oh, never mind. I just sold a red snapper. Never mind. Um, <laughs> I thought I, yeah, I thought the hot item was that good. It's like, no, it's just red snapper's worth a decent amount of money. Uh, no, so I did the pickup at store for a used copy of Control, um, a game that I have been very interested in and very patiently waiting for uh, a chance to play. Because... SCP simulator. Huh? It's the SCP simulator. Yes. Um, or I, it's, it's kind of that mixed with um, a more mature Warehouse 13, because the majority of the game is you, or a big part of the game is basically you dealing with these items that have special abilities attached to them, uh, which is Warehouse 13. If you ever watched it on on Sci-Fi, it's a fantastic show. Uh, I think it also got canceled. It was in. I think I've watched an episode or two of it. And yeah. I, re I remember the premise. It was, you know, a spooky supernatural warehouse place where they stored all the spooky supernatural things. Yeah. Um, but it never got too dark. There were some sad bit. Like, I mean, I'm also somebody that cries at fucking everything. Uh, but it, it, I really enjoyed it. I, I thought it was a good show. It was part of the same, around the same time as. Um, Eureka. Uh, of course, it got canceled around the same time as Eureka. Uh, I've been playing this game hours today, and I just realized I never dug up my gold spot. Um, but Control is made by Remedy. Same people that made uh, Stephen King the game. <laughs> Alan Wake. My mind blanked on his actual name. <laughs> Um, they also made Quantum Break for Xbox, which I'm amazed I still never played that game, especially since it's free for us now with uh, Game Pass. Um, and I had been wanting to play Control. My problem was I didn't want to buy a new copy because I know I only got a certain, certain distance into Alan Wake because I'm bad at scary games. Or slightly yeah. yeah, no, seriously. It was one of those, like, I can't play this. This is just dark enough where I can't get into it because I, I have a problem with that. Like, Dead Space, man, Dead Space I, I played for maybe an hour. And I'm like, these motherfuckers oh, can literally crawl through the vents and come up behind me. I'm not playing this game. Dead Space was a continual nightmare for me. I play that game, I want to say, five or six times in a row, almost. For well, I want to... I wanted the achievements. Um, it's actually the first Dead Space is one of the few games I have a thousand gamers score on. In like a, a legit, and thousand. it's not like uh, it's a legit one thousand. And one of them was to beat the game on nightmare mode. Now before that, I had beaten the game like I said a good four or five times already. So I knew like all the nooks and crannies. I knew the secrets to beating yeah, the game. Nooks and crannies. I knew where the I knew you know what the best weapons to use were. I knew all of that. And there's still a moment in the game that always freaks me out, and it's near the very beginning. It's actually. one of those, like, this is a dead body, but it's not actually a dead body kind of thing. No, it's even worse. You start walking, there's this very, very long hallway in front of you. And as you start walking down it with Isaac, the hallway goes completely dark. Like, oh. pitch black for a second. 
and you swear there's something in there just waiting to get you. You, you, your brain is telling you like, hey, there's something dangerous here. So you're like aiming your weapons around, looking for stuff, but you can't see anything. It's one of the few moments where like your flashlight in the game almost ceases to work because you can see like a spot on a wall. That's it. Ooh, and then the lights come back on and nothing fucking happens. So nothing, that is the in, that's, so nothing literally literally nothing happens to you and it still gets you every time. It still gets me every time because Dead Space was so it's good at hilarious. portraying horror that like you get immersed to a point. At least for me, I got immersed to a point where it's like this stuff is actually scary. This stuff is actually frightening now, mm-hmm. and it's one of the few survival horror games that does that to me still. Where I played Dead Space 2 and 3, they didn't really have that because it was a lot more about the action. Um, the same thing happened with like RE5 and 6. I really enjoyed RE5 and 6, but I enjoyed it because of the action. I just wanted to kill a bunch of fucking zombies and freaky shit with cool <laughs> guns, and that's what those games had. Um, a lot of people were like, oh, well, it's not scary enough. But then I played RE7, and I got that same feeling I got from Dead Space 1, where I was like, this shit is horrifying, because there's maybe like 15 enemies in the entire game of RE7, and you're scared shitless every time you run into one because the game makes you feel powerless as hell when you go up against them. Yeah, it's it's so funny what quote-unquote horror games scare me and which ones don't. Like, I mean, at this point, if I had played uh, Resident Evil, the original Resident Evil games when I was younger, I probably would have been scared shitless, but like now the old ones are nothing. But the remakes, even looking at the remakes, seven, oh my god, seven is terrifying from everything I've ever watched of that game. Um, but yeah, I I just can't handle usually scary games, and that's why I was like, alright, Control seems like it's closer to that feeling of Alan Wake, where it's more of a horror aspect, sci-fi kind of thing, instead of just a, hey, fun powers and shit. Um... So I went. Yeah. I I kind of waited, and I was hoping I could find a used copy, but then there was an interview with I believe either Phil Spencer or um, Major Nelson, and they had offhandedly mentioned something about it coming to Game Pass uh, right after <laughs> Remedy came out. Was like, no, no, we are. It's not. I don't know that he misspoke. Blah 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 blah. But um, like in the past, any time that had happened, it's like, mm, it, it's going to happen. It was just said too early. Uh, I waited a couple a couple weeks, may, I think maybe a month or two, um, and then it was announced that it was actually coming to PlayStation Now. Uh, the PlayStation, I, it's the closest to a Game Pass that PlayStation has. Um, yeah. It's nowhere near as good. And that's, that's not a... I'm a Xbox fanboy and I think PlayStation sucks. That's a even PlayStation people have said this is nowhere near the level of uh, I think that's an objective assessment. <laughs> it's it's really not anywhere near the level of Game Pass. And it's fun. It's I mean, it, there are some cool things that that you can play uh, I think PS1 classics or some PS2 games on there. Um, but yeah, Game Pass is just like leaps and bounds better. Um, especially with its integration on PC as well. Uh, but, so yeah, I decided, fuck it, alright, cool, I finally have to 
spend the money on this. Uh, did the pickup at store, and they gave me a, a new copy instead of a used copy. And I'm like, well, all right, cool. I paid for the new, the used one. <laughs> um, so I got it, got it home, started playing it almost immediately. Uh, was like instantly in love with the atmosphere and the the little bit of story that it starts off with. Um, you very quickly realize she's not having like an internal monologue. She's actually talking to something that is bonded with her in her like internally kind of thing. Um, <laughs> definitely not crazy. You you find out very quickly she's definitely not crazy. Um, and like right off the bat, I'm like, oh my god, this is this game hits like all the kind of things I like in a story, in a TV show, in a video game, anything like that. Uh, but then I played more, and it still was like that. All it was hitting all those right. It was checking all the boxes, all all the crisp boxes. Um, the problem is, it runs like dog shit. Like <laughs> I have never, I have never played a game that this long after release it still played this poorly on a console. Uh, I don't think it's been proper. I don't think the port has been properly optimized. Well, I don't think it was on a port though. It had it was a day and date release on all consoles. Okay. Um, and this is even after. So, and that's the thing. I looked into after uh, playing hours. It crashed on me twice. I I have never. I've had maybe three games since I've had an Xbox One that have crashed on me. Um, and one of them was Battlefield the day it released. So uh, that doesn't count. They were like full on broken and everybody knew it. But this game, this is a year after the game has been out. It's had multiple patches, I believe. Uh, and it just, it ran so poorly that I wanted to keep going. But because of how like chuggy the game felt, I just kind of set it down. I'll eventually get back to it again because I'm like sold on this game. Um, all the because you instant very quickly get more than because you start with kind of your melee. I, at first, I didn't realize it, but her melee is a little bit of a, a weak force push almost. Um, mm -hmm. But you quickly get you get the gun that never you never run out of ammo. It is it's just a uh, you have to re uh, reload every once in a while. It's mm -hmm. um. <laughs> I don't remember what the... I can't remember what the name of the gun is. Basically, the way this game starts off, you are looking for your brother. Your brother was taken by the Bureau of Control. Um, I think it's Bureau of Control. Uh, no, it's called... It's Just for a note, it's called the Service Method. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so, the thing behind the Service Weapon... You get to this place, you finally find him. You've been looking for it for years. He was kidnapped when you were a child, when you were children. Um, you get to this place, completely empty, no one's here, you can't find anybody. You meet the janitor. You instantly have this rapport with this janitor. Janitor comes off kind of super fucking creepy, but you also kind of immediately like the character. Uh, shout out to him, I can't remember the actor's name. Um, he actually just won a BAFTA. The BAFTAs were the other night. Um, yeah, he won a BAFTA for, I believe, character, for, uh, character actor? I don't know. I don't remember what all the, the, uh, awards are for 
Bathos. Let's take a look. He plays Ati, I believe. Ati the jan janitor. Um, Ati. That's uh, Marty Suosolo? Yes. He is, he is definitely not uh, American. Um, great. Great performance. Uh, again, I haven't gotten that far in. Um, and I, I am sure that he is a lot more to do with the story than, obviously, he's a janitor. He's definitely not just a janitor. Um, he, you meet him, he tells you, oh, you're here for the, the assistant, the janitor assistant position. Take the elevator. And then you basically have to backtrack to a room that didn't have an elevator, and you have to get on the elevator that now is magically <laughs> appeared. Um... And while you're exploring this place, you find the director. Well, you find the director's dead body. <laughs> uh, you pick up the service weapon. You find, you basically find his dead body. He, it looks like he committed suicide. Uh, you find the service weapon. You pick up the service weapon. And you are now the new director of the Bureau. Well, it turns out... According to the game's lore, anyway, hey, virtue of owning the service weapon, you are the director yeah. of the Bureau. I was going to say, don't, don't be spoiling shit. I haven't gotten too far. But yeah, that's, that's the thing. You, <laughs> you get this weapon, and boom, now you are the director. Um, so, turns out Courtney Hope, the woman who plays Jesse, the main character of Control, also played a Sith Lord in Star Wars The Old Republic. Oh, really? Yes. Man, I'm getting so many she's a, it's an uncredited name. She's just a Sith Lord, but she played a voice in the Old Republic. That's cool. Um, yeah, she. I enjoy her performance so far too. Uh, the so that's the one. The one of the things. It's it's a combination of. I'd said that it runs poorly, in my opinion. I'm sure other people. And I mean, to be honest, I looked online. A lot of people had this issue, and it's not just. I have an Xbox One S. I don't have an X. I don't have a PS4 Pro, but people that have X's and Pros have both said that they've had the same issues. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm like, okay, cool. It's not just a me thing. Like, there's part mm -hmm. of me that wants to buy it on PC just to see if it runs better on PC and start over from scratch. Um, because I want to play this game, but I also don't want to, I guess, kill my compute my uh, Xbox in the process. Um, from what I'm reading, it just seems like the game is not optimized optimized for consoles really well it seems like so is it saying PC, pc's been better yeah okay i might just it seems like the pc version is the way to go but it seems like the xbox and ps4 versions are more of a sort of marketing afterthought where it's like well the game looks like it's done so we're gonna we're gonna make versions for the pc and xbox but that's just we'll make them you know our crunch time basically yeah that is really disappointing, though. Like I said, it, it, I like I, I recommend this to anybody that likes supernatural, paranormal games. Um, it does have the combat. I'm not the greatest at the combat. Um, you get skill points, and you can end up making all your your abilities power more powerful. Uh, you pretty quickly get the ability to um, use telekinesis. Uh, but it's all based off of an energy meter that early on is really quick to be used up. Um, again, 
early game, of course. I, I've heard people talk about how you hit a point in the game and you're like, oh, I'm fucking strong as shit. I don't have to worry about this. Uh, currently, it's like, oh, there are more than three enemies in this room. I gotta play smart. Um, <laughs> but that's also because I'm not, I'm not a, I don't know, I'm not the biggest fan of combat in games all the time. Like, that's why I've always enjoyed something like uh, Dishonored. Because you can get through that game without killing a single person. You can also get through that game with killing every single person without anybody knowing that you've done that. <laughs> really helps if you have that rat ability so you can eat the dead bodies. What? Um, <laughs> um, but no, it's... Uh, like I said, it's currently on sale in a lot of places. Uh, I, I The used copy, I think, was 40 bucks. Um, actually, it might have been 30 bucks. Yeah, I think it was 30 bucks. Uh, I recommend getting it, but I definitely recommend getting it on PC. Unless you are okay with dealing with some really bad lag. Not lag, but just more than three people There's in things a... like frame drops, long loading times. Oh, yeah, that's right. You're looking at that. Yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, love and control. Except for the performance. <laughs> <laughs> How, what have you been playing? Well, I finished uh, the campaign for Game Eternal. Damn, really? I am surprised by that. Not that so, I didn't think you could do it. More of like, I didn't realize it was that short. Well, it's not necessarily short. It's actually much longer than Doom 2016. Every um, mission in the game is actually a whole lot longer, and the maps are hella big. Huh. Um, there's a lot more secrets and stuff to find in each one. So this, spent... one this one isn't open, uh, open world, right? It's not open world, no. There is a hub called the Fortress of Doom that you return to in between <laughs> But uh, the fortress is not like an open world where you jump in a vehicle and go somewhere else. Yeah. It's you go from level to level as the story progresses, just like in a classic FPS style. Okay. Um, the fortress of doom is just where you return to to sort of take a short break in between missions, so you aren't just constantly like Doom 2016 was thrown from mission to mission to mission, with no respite or time to do anything in between. Mm -hmm. um, the great thing about the Fortress of Doom is as you unlock stuff in the game, you can then unlock stuff in the Fortress of Doom as well. For example, Sentinel Batteries. I cannot take the name of that place seriously. <laughs> Nobody really can, but I think it's more of a video gamey thing, um, which Doom Eternal stresses a lot. Like, it tries to basically tell you up front, first and foremost, this is a video game, and these are classic video game tropes. We're not, you know, presenting you like something that's not a video game. It's supposed to be like a cinematic experience. That's the marketing term they love to use. Yeah. Um, we're, we're just giving you a game. Like, that's what it is. You're going to find bullshit like, for example, soundtracks. You can find as collectibles. In the, game. Um, the soundtracks are all tracks from older Doom games or older id software games. There's actually two Commander Keen tracks I got. <laughs> the game. That's fun. Um, one of them, I found, you can find like the intro for the original Doom EM or E1M1. You can find that track. Um, you can find BFG Division, which is another one. So I found all these tracks, and they show up as posters of their album art on walls and certain frames around the Fortress of Doom. And you can walk up to them and actually play them while you're walking around the Fortress of Doom. Huh. Um, 
Sentinel batteries are nice because you find those either scattered around missions or you get them by you get one by completing all three of the combat challenges in a mission. The Sentinel batteries lets you unlock certain things, unlock these doors inside the fortress. So behind three of the doors, there's three different skins for Dune Guy himself. You can find the classic Dune skin. Um, you can find a Sentinel training armor, which is part of the game's lore. And you can find the original Praetor suit from Dune 2016. Um, and the thing about these skins is they're cosmetic completely. They don't change anything about gameplay. But you can go back out to the main menu and you can equip them. And that's how you appear in the single player campaign. Um, I use my tri my Twitch and Amazon Prime subscriptions to unlock what they call the Doomicorn skin. Doomicorn? Which is hilarious because it gives the suit, it changes the helmet of the suit to like this very wide horse head with a unicorn horn on it. Yeah. Um, the Doom Blade, which is a little wrist blade we saw in all the trailers, changes to like a magic wand looking thing. <laughs> and he gets little wings on the back of the suit as well. And it's all pink and white. Um... You can live out your life as being a, pon a brony in, in yes, but Doom you, now. The most hilarious thing is whatever skin you pick is also how you appear in the game's cutscenes. Oh, okay. Because the I game's cutscenes are all rendered in engine. Awesome. I hate when games have you be able to deck out your character however you want and then not put that, that in cutscenes. Default skin. Yeah. Like, that's a, even in... Um, it, it's small, but even in Kingdom Hearts, because they let you whatever... Keyblade you're assigned or you have assigned right now, it's that Keyblade. It's not just the base Kingdom key. Yeah. I remember that in other Kingdom Hearts games, as you always just whip that Kingdom key for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> um, Mass Effect 1 had a problem with that, where no matter what cutscene you were in, you always had the base starter assault rifle, <laughs> no oh, matter really? what weapon that's, you had. That's weird. <laughs> yes. So, games were, you know, they basically had already rendered the cutscenes with a certain placeholder asset and never programmed it to change what that asset looks like based on what you actually have. Um, but Doom Eternal's cutscenes are all rendered in engine, so whatever you have equipped is what shows in a cutscene, with the exception of your weapon, which is always a super shotgun and a cutscene, usually. <laughs> um, the. The interesting thing about the campaign, you know, like I said, levels are huge. There's a lot of secrets and collectibles to find. Um, toys make a return, but this time they're not just Doom Guy toys. They're toys of all the demons in the game. Oh. Um, oh, is that what that shelf I've seen is? Yeah, so that shelf displays your toys as you collect them. That's cool. Um, the cool thing about the toys is a lot of people have been, like, asking Id, like, can you Bethesda, make them like, hey, are you going to make them real? Because they actually do look really cool. In the Doom guy, I think they made an actual version of them too, right? Yes, they have made an actual version of that. Um, the large one that you get at the end of the game is for the Icon of Sin. That's the final boss of the game, just like Doom 1's final boss was, or Doom 2, I should say. Yeah, Doom 2's so final just boss was the Icon of old Sin. Material, huh? Well, <laughs> is, the story serves as kind of a hard... Or, maybe soft even, reboot for the lore of Duke. So um, is that... Okay, so Doom 1. Does <laughs> Doom 1 pick up from anything in the Doom series? Not really. I mean, Doom 1 was just kind of its own thing. It wasn't until yeah. they did Doom 2 that there was kind of an established lore. No, sorry. I meant... 
Doom 2016. When I say Doom 1, I, I no, should have no. said that. Yeah. Doom 2016 wasn't really a pit. Doom 2016 did have its own sort of timeline where the original sequence where you awake and you're kind of in that sarcophagus thing. Uh-huh. Um, Does that make it seem that like you are the That has a story behind Doom? it you found out later on where you find out that you were... Well, the story behind it is like... You know, Doom Guy was in hell, basically fucked the demons' day up, mm -hmm. and the only plan they had to defeat him was to drop literally a temple on top of it to stop him. Okay. And so they drop this and they bait him with all these demons. They let him, you know, kill all these demons inside his temple until they're ready to, you know, hatch this ambush. They ambush him, drop this whole fucking temple on top of him, and then imprison him in this magic sarcophagus, which should like they warn everybody like should never be open <laughs> um, who, I can't, course, who actually opened it in the first one well the company is called the uac that's right um, i forgot that humans ended up showing up so the uac takes these excursions into hell in doom 2016 to harvest what's called argent energy and argent energy is um coming from these beings called elemental rates, which are not originally beings from hell, but were captured by hell. And their essence is essentially being stolen to power their conquest of all these other worlds. Um, that's what hell is in the Doom series. It's more or less, it's less of an actual, like, supernatural place mm -hmm. than it is an alternate dimension ruled by beings whose only goal is to, con is to conquer and kill things. Okay, that sounds um, like a fun group of people. Yeah. Um, their, their biggest goal is actually to drag entire realms and worlds into their own and make them part of hell. So they're really just trying to grow hell as much as possible. Um, in the second game, there is more supernatural aspects to it, like the harvesting and processing of human souls for more energy. Okay. Um, that's how they're creating Argent Energy now. And the angels, which are called the Makers... Um, are using that now to fuel their own world and kind of stop their own cycle of death and rebirth. Um, they're using it basically to make themselves immortal. So you're at odds with everyone in Doom Eternal. You're at odds with the Makers, who kind of run heaven. You're at odds with hell, because you hate demons. Um, Sounds like fun. You know, you're at odds with just about everyone, except for the human beings who Doom Guy is basically trying to save from all this crap going on. Um... The good things about the campaign have kind of went over there. A lot of collectibles, maps are big. Combat is on point. I mean, Doom Eternal's combat makes Doom 2016 look like a fucking snorefest, honestly. Yeah. Um, the gripes I have with it are the gripes that a lot of people have already gone over, but things like ammo when you first start out, very limited. They want you to use your chainsaw as much as possible to replenish your ammo. It's how you actually get ammo. And so demons are classified differently. You have fodder demons, you have heavies, you have super heavies, and you have bosses. Um, fodder demons are what you want to use your chainsaw on mostly, and your chainsaw, the first pip of your chainsaw, um, refuels automatically over time. So you're basically kind of forced into using it again and again to recharge your ammo until you start collecting you know, upgrades to give yourself more ammo, health, and armor as the game progresses. Mm -hmm. Um... Another gripe I have is, I won't say that the game's too hard, 
but the difficulty and the learning curve for the combat flow in this game is much more intense than it was in Doom 2016. Yeah. It felt yeah. like you could make a couple of mistakes in Doom 2016 and get away with it even on things like Ultra Nightmare. Doom Eternal punishes you for every single mistake you make. Especially standing still for too long. The game emphasizes well, and that, I remember the below screen that you should be moving all the time. Yeah, I, I was gonna say that that is for me one of the big reasons why I never could get into it. Um, and to be it's really actually kind of weird. Um, you that that is a game. Even in the first one, I I realized I was supposed to keep moving. I am very much okay. I'm hiding behind a thing. Let me take this guy out. I'm hiding behind a thing. Let me take this guy out. So it's interesting that I never got into that game or into the Doom games because I was supposed to keep moving. The combat and control is very similar. You can take cover in certain situations, but most cases your cover can be destroyed relatively easily. So you are very much running around. I mean, you have the ability to, before you can fly. Um, <laughs> sorry, I just realized how like out there saying that is. Um, but y you can, you have the ability to like, it's a dot, almost like a dodge roll, but it's basically you are levitating out into different directions. Um, kind of like, uh, oh, fuck, my mind is blanking on a game that it made me think of, or even a, it kind of makes me think of any Star Wars game. When you would, you would play as a Jedi and you would um, dodge, where you would it wouldn't be it was instead of force pushing you would basically use the force to get out of the way really quickly. Yeah, well, Doom twenty sixteen had or Doom Eternal has something similar now. Um, you get the double jump by default this time around, so you don't have to unlock it later on. Well, because it's um, it's supposed to be picking up where it left off, so it kind of makes sense for you to have that ability right away, right? Yeah, well, you get the double jump, um, but you also get the dash ability, which later upgrades the two dashes in a row that you can use. Um, interesting thing about the dash mechanic is it does let you, you know, escape situations. It lets you traverse areas. Um, it doesn't recharge until basically your feet hit the ground again. Oh, it's so. <laughs> yeah, so you can't just constantly dash through the air. There's even dash recharge like Celeste in certain areas. Yeah. Um, monkey bars are a new thing now. You basically swing on them, and they give you a little boost vertically and forward. That they saw Celeste and were like, "Oh, let's do this," because they're like glowing orbs, aren't they? Yeah, they're pretty much glowing orbs, and they may have seen Celeste and said, "Let's do something like that." Um, the major issue sometimes is it's very easy to get disoriented in combat encounters. Mm -hmm. I get that it's an arena shooter and you kind of have an idea where everything is just by doing one sort of lap around the combat area. But there's times where it just feels like you're getting overwhelmed and there's no, there's literally in the middle of a combat counter, there's no place you can go yeah. to just take a breather and get your bearings. You have to be on top of everything as it happens. Um, it's not necessarily bad. It makes for a fun game, but you have to sort of play it at your own pace, which means changing the difficulty, honestly. Oh, really? Um, what, the game, what have you been playing on, mostly? Well, I played it on Hurt Me Plenty, which is sort of the normal mode <laughs> for Doom. Um, I'm Too Young to Die has always been the easy mode in Doom. Mm -hmm. Sort of the baby mode where you virtually take no damage. I wish they literally called it baby ass stuff happen. Um, Ultra Nightmare is 
the mode that everyone wants to beat, of course, because it's the hardest difficulty. The problem with Ultra Nightmare is if you die once, your save file gets deleted. So... Oh, shit. I thought it was like a, a Halo thing where you play Legendary and it's like, alright, start from the beginning of the story. Or the last checkpoint or something. Oh, no. Ultra Nightmare is if you die, your save file gets deleted. So wow. what they introduced in Doom Eternal is the concept of one-ups. There's literally one-ups in the game to collect. Really? Are they little yes. Doom guys that you pick up? They're uh, the Doom guy's helmet. That's cute. So you pick those up and you get an extra life. So when you die, you come back with full health immediately. Um, I like this the full health because with... there are a lot of games that you get a respawn, but it's oh, a... Yeah. Um, you get like a half health or a tenth health, yeah. of your health back. Um, the thing about extra lives is there's certain parts of the game where you can burn through them so quickly without really trying to. Mm -hmm. Um and I'll get to the enemy type that's responsible for that the most in a second. Because um, he himself is a great for the game. But uh, there's an extra life difficulty as well. So there's an extra life mode, which I think is default to the normal or hard difficulty of the game. Yeah. And the way it works basically is you're just trying to get extra life from certain things because it's the only way to beat the game. Um, there's even a milestone in the game for finishing extra life mode with 20 extra lives in your inventory. <laughs> and all those lives go to charity. Well, they go towards a skin that you can unlock for doing that. Right, um, that's one of the good things about the Eternal, though, is all the stuff you can unlock, you don't pay for any of it. You unlock it by playing the game. That's always cool. So there's no, there's no microtransacting your way into new skins or anything like that. You literally unlock everything by completing milestones that are outlined for you on a separate menu. You get Sentinel batteries by completing those challenges, which are outlined for you at the beginning of the missions. There's no mystery of how you need to complete each one. Um, all the unlocks you get either by searching for them or doing something special in the game. Um, one of them was for being the first level of the game called Hell on Earth in 11 minutes. And I found out that I could do that by using cheat codes, which are another collectible you get in the game. Oh, so it's like built-in game, yeah, built-in cheat codes. So you're not. Yeah, you actually find floppiness um, with the cheat, the cheat codes, codes on them. That is a great idea. Yeah, so you find floppy disk, and what I did is I waited till I got to like the last mission of the game, and I had all the cheat codes unlocked, and I activated all the ones that basically gave me buffs to finish the level. One of them gives you infinite haste, so you move super fast. One of them gives you infinite ammo. One of them's onslaught mode that's infinite, so you do quad damage the entire time. Um, I had unlocked the best weapon in the game, which is called the Unmaker. The Unmaker. Um, Alright. It uses BFG ammo as its source, but it's a full auto like spread weapon. Holy it's similar shit. to a weapon that I think was in Doom uh, 64, which went by, I think it went by the same name even. Um, but it was the OP weapon of the game. It basically lets you shred through a level as fast, like as fast as you possibly could go, because it just destroys everything in the way. Um, so I ran through the entire level with that gun and the infinite haste and the onslaught, the sentinel armor, which made me take like no damage at all, all that stuff, and blew through level like nine minutes and got the milestone. <laughs> so the great thing is the cheat codes don't affect your progression. So if you're missing something like a secret encounter or you're not, you know, doing so well throughout a mission. Um, or you missed a collectible or something like that, you can come back later with the cheat codes. It's going to make it super easy to get that stuff done. The only thing you can't do with the cheat codes on are what are called Slayer Gates, which is the hardest challenges in the game. Slayer. And the reason that you can't do those Slayer Gates with the cheat codes on is because the Slayer Gates, by completing them, that's how you unlock the Unmaker. Oh, okay. 
So every Slayer gate, you have to find a Slayer key in each level. You unlock the gate, and the gate is a secret, super hard combat challenge. You finish it, you get three weapon upgrade points for finishing it, and you get an Empyrean key, which you then you use in the Fortress of Doom to get the Unmaker. So there's six Slayer gates, six keys. Um, you use all of them, and eventually you unlock the weapon, which is great because you unlock the weapon well before the end of the game, which makes it worth unlocking that gun. Um, but the, the enemy type I want to talk about the most, just to finish it off, is the Marauder. He's been the biggest complaint about the game. What so the Marauder, like? well, he was shown off during the, um, Originally during E3. things like E3 and other events like, uh, QuakeCon. Um, and he looks basically like a demon version of the Doomslayer. Oh, okay. So, he's the guy with the, with the red axe and the super shotgun. Mm-hmm. Um, you encounter him, I think, in mission nine for the first time. He's sort of the boss, the mini boss encounter for that mission at the very end, because you do encounter just other marauders later on, so they're not true boss enemies. They're classified as super heavies in the game. Um, the problem with the marauder is all that stuff you've been learning about the combat loop and learning, you know, all this neat stuff about how to defeat different demons, weak spots for demons, and things like that. All that shit just goes out of the window when this guy shows up. He requires your undivided attention to defeat. <laughs> and that becomes a problem because the other demons you're worried about, like, all right, I'm going to, like, jump to this monkey bar. And I'm going to swing up here. I'm going to double dash over here. And while I'm doing all that, I'm going to shoot this caca demon out of the air with my ballista. And then I'm going to chainsaw this fodder enemy who's waiting on that platform so I can get some ammo back and then go in and do these other things. Like, then it's that's like, what oh, you're wait, used to. This guy. And then it's like, here's this guy, and there's two weapons that are basically effective against him, and you have to bait him into attacking you to even hurt him. Uh, so That sounds like some Zelda Ocarina of Time bullshit. It really is. You're just standing there waiting for things to happen. The way that it works is at super close range, he just hits you with a super shotgun, which knocks you back. Yeah. At a further range, he sends a little energy wave from his axe, which hurts you. He also can summon this, this like fire wolf thing, which will chase you down until you kill it. So that gets super annoying because now you have another. Um, he's got a shield which he pulls up like literally in an instant if you attack him while he's not vulnerable. The way to defeat him is you have to keep him at mid range, so there's a very specific range you have to be within, and that baits him into like trying to melee attack you with his axe. His eyes flash green, that's a cue to keep him now hit range. So, so what most players do is they switch between their super shotgun and their ballista because those are the only two weapons that do a lot of damage in that short amount of time you have to attack them. Um, and so you blast him with that stuff and you just repeat that formula until he goes into a glory kill state where you can finish him off. But it is, it's the most frustrating part of the game because you're just stuck waiting for that stuff to happen. And sometimes it doesn't happen perfectly. So you'll just burn, sometimes you'll burn through extra lives on this guy because you're just waiting for him to do the right thing so you can hurt him. That's um, annoying. It, it gets highly annoying. He's been the biggest complaint of the game. In multiplayer, he plays completely different. There's no shield or any BS tactics that he can use. He's just a pressure demon who's, in multiplayer, your job as the Marauder is to chase down the Doomslayer and do as much damage to him in as little of a time as possible. Basically be annoying and push him into places he doesn't want to be. So there was one thing I read online um, that I guess I didn't really look into, and I kind of just read it offhand. 
Is there a way that you control demons? You in the main story mode can control a demon? There's one mode where you do it. Um, or one area where you do it. It's in the cultist base mission. Um, you find a machine which has a revenant drone in it. So a revenant's a type of demon in the game. It's that skeleton guy with it's the missiles dude. on He's a dude. Yes, he's the dude demon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> you complete a little people. combat area with him, and then you grab the super shotgun, and he hands it over to the Doom Slayer. So that's the only time in the game where you control a demon in the story mode. Okay. Which they really... It feels like a thrown-in piece because it doesn't make sense with what the rest of the game presents you. There's no other time you see in a place where it's like people are controlling demons. Yeah. So it doesn't make it, any sense at all. I, the way I read it, it made it seem like it was something that you done you you did more than once. So that is no, you do it. You do it literally one time. Thing. And it's really just there to if you try to play the multiplayer beforehand, the game even tells you it's recommended you complete the cultist base mission before you do the <laughs> multiplayer. So really, it was just Eid throwing in a segment of the game to say like, it's oh, like, here's how, how the multiplayer kind of works. Okay. So. You know, we're trying to sell it to you in the single-player campaign. That's a... Which is okay, but don't make it... Don't shove it in a place where it doesn't make any sense. Don't show it to us one time. Show us... Yeah. You have this whole story of, like, these UAC cultists who are on the demon side. Show them controlling demons. Like, that would be cool. That would give us a reason for this part of the game to fucking exist in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> um... And that's another... That's the final gripe I have with Doom. Is the story's there, the lore's there from words like me... It comes at you through things like codex pages and entries, which were part of Doom 2016, and that's fine. Yeah. It basically gives you an option to engage in the story if you want to. But when I say that this is lore, it is just lore. It's not actual story. The game has cutscenes, but it doesn't have a lot of them. And a lot of times you're looking at these cutscenes and you're just asking yourself, like, okay, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> like, why do they matter? Why should I care about them? Where do they come from? And what importance do they have to the rest of the game? And the answer, a lot of the time, just isn't there. Yeah. It doesn't matter that there's a story in this game at all because the story is so disjointed and That's so disconnected from everything. The story, I do enjoy all the detail of when the game. There's an insane amount of detail. In the Fortress of Doom, you have a bookshelf. If you look at the bookshelf, every book has a fucking title. Oh, wow. And they're all references to something. So it isn't just, you know, oh. blurry text on, yeah. a, That's on the, the spine one. of a book. Um, Mark... Markiplier's father's name is on one of the books, I believe. Yeah. Uh, because there's that was even, like... That there's was even a, a guns and ammo magazine in the chair in the Doom guy's like, bedroom, basically. Uh-huh. Um, and that's a reference to Fallout, because that's the magazine that you would pick up to level up your gun skill in Fallout. Yeah. So they have a lot of cool references and things like that, and there's a lot of detail in the game, but the story is where the game really falls short, and I feel like it's something it wanted to work on, but they didn't know how to do... It was kind of that balancing act. Because people, like, they didn't want to overwhelm you with cutscenes and story information well, and, and make I mean, the game not in, doom anymore. In the first game, you are when you're introduced to them, it's very quickly... I, as somebody that played very little of that, the first opening scene, when the robot or the hologram or whatever the fuck it is is trying to tell you the story, you basically are like, yeah, fuck this. Yeah. I mean, you everything you do in that game is... In Doom 2016, Samuel Hayden is kind of the big guy in the game. He's the leader of the UAC. Mm -hmm. um, 
basically everything he tells you not to punch, you, you punch. So yeah. <laughs> that's the story of Doom 20. Yeah, because I think I remember somebody <laughs> telling me about a part in the game where it's like, all right, this is how you do this thing, but all you do is destroy it. And then he's like, no, 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 okay, now we're going to do this next one. Okay, never mind, you already destroyed it. <laughs> they even do a, they do a callback to that. It's a mission where you finally get the BFG in the game. Um, you go to Phobos, which is a moon of Mars. Mm-hmm. And on Phobos, they have this weapon called the uh, BFG-10,000. Oh, God. So in the BFG-10,000 is the BFG-5000, and it's basically just a giant, like, Death Star cannon um, housing the BFG. So what happens is you want to get to an ancient city that's buried in Mars, and you go to this cannon, and Samuel Hayden tells you, literally, you can't just blow a hole in the Mars. (laughs) And that's exactly what the Doom guy does with BFG-10,000. <laughs> you shoot a hole into Mars, you rip the BFG-5,000 out of this machine, and then you go to Mars and then go to hell from there. Okay. That sounds so, um, he does come back. There's a large gap in the lore between Doom 20, between what happens in Doom 2016 and what happens in Doom Eternal, and that's filled in by all the little lore bits you pick up throughout the story. Um... It just feels like the story's miss. It feels like the story's not enough. It doesn't feel like it's fleshed out enough to even to matter, even really make sense, honestly, in the long run. Yeah. Um, which I'm sure is fine for a majority of Doom fans. They're not going to care about the story. I'm pretty sure 90% of people played this game and skipped every cutscene. Um, but for me, it was like, if you're going to have a story in my game, make that story matter. Make it make some kind of sense. You know, give me a motivation. Mm-hmm. To continue with the game, other than just it's really cool to kill demons, because you do that five thousand times and even that gets stale. So, yeah, um, if you can't make that game loop entertaining for an entire game, it, yeah, I mean it's hard yeah. to do, especially in something that is so uh, action oriented. Well, it's hard to do when a lot of the enemies just turn into bullet sponges over time. Um, things like the tyrant, which is the cyber demon. It's mm-hmm. like the classic Cyber Demon brought back. You know, he's basically just just a sponge for damage. There's really no strategy to fighting him other than to outlast him. Um, uh, the same th- in multiplayer, things are a bit different. The demons play differently in multiplayer than they do in single player, which is nice because you get some abilities to use, which help you sort of tackle the the insane task of killing this extremely mobile, extremely powerful Doom Slayer. Mm-hmm. Um, the Doom Slayer is all about where the demons are more about strategy and teamwork because there's always two of them. The Doom Slayer is more about skill, reflexes, and map knowledge, um, and weapon knowledge as well. Yeah. So the multiplayer, it's it's fun, but there's not enough to keep people engaged. They really need as much as people talked about Doom 2016's multiplayer and how it wasn't that great. It was still good enough. And they need game modes like Classic Deathmatch to come back. They need features like the Snap Map feature to come back so people can make their own levels. Um, the way it stands right now, Battle Mode is just not enough to keep people engaged. It's not going to keep people coming back to the game. Yeah. Um, even with the, you know, they introduced a Battle Pass to this game, which you get for free just by having the game. So you unlock cosmetics and stuff through that, which is neat. But you just don't get enough XP through playing the game normally. To even make that warranted, you have to wait for weekly challenges to cycle around where you do get big XP gains, where you have to wait for your boosters to kick in. Um, the boosters, you basically select up to three people 
and you either recently played people or your friends list and you add them to a list of slot of one of three and basically by them playing you can claim a portion of their XP as your own um, and level up that way so that's neat but there's a lot of features and stuff to go over with the game I'm not going to talk about it all because we've talked about it long enough yeah, but okay. the um, the game is fun that's that's the bottom line Doom Eternal is a love letter to everything that Doom was it does make mistakes, as all new games do. I think it has a lot to learn from the feedback coming from this game. Mm-hmm. Um, there is DLC, you know, slated for it in the future. We're hoping some of the story DLC because you get unlocks like weapon points and prayer suit tokens that you can't even use at the end of the game because you've used everything. Yeah. You have everything done. So <laughs> That's always disappointing. Um, people are hoping for upgrades to things like that, or even just alternative game modes. Give us something else to play. They have mash levels, which are challenge- more challenging versions of the normal levels, and they only have two right now, so they're waiting on things like that. More mash levels, more multiplayer map. Uh, give us new weapons, even. Someone even went into the PC code and found out that there is a pistol, but it's buried in the code of the game. <laughs> yeah, but really, so do you, you can... really want to run around in Doom with a pistol? Well, the thing about the pistol in the first game is it was kind of just a holdout weapon. It was like, okay, you're out of ammo and everything else because you massively screwed something up, so here's your option. <laughs> um, the pistol that they found in the Doom Code is different because this time it's a burst fire pistol that actually has ammo assigned to it, and the charge-up shot on it is extremely powerful this time. So it was like a whole new weapon in and of itself that could have been interesting and fun to use even. And they just cut it from the game because they're like, oh, Doom fans don't want pistols in their game. They want shotguns and rocket launchers. I mean, do you really want a pistol in your game? Again. I mean, I would like to have a pistol in the game. Nope. <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I would like to have one where it felt like the pistol was a useful and unique weapon in and of itself rather than just a standby. Yeah. That's what I would like to see. And it looks like they were going that direction, which is something that was later cut. Um. I don't know. Like I, said, I would like I would like to see a lot more content in the game. I would like to see a reworking of certain features. Um, the game also does have some bugs which need to be patched out. Uh, some enemies tend to get stuck in walls from time to time, which can be annoying because you'll hear an enemy, but you'll not know where it is until you look towards the source and realize, oh, it's stuck in that piece of terrain and there's no way for me to kill it now. Um doesn't prevent you from progressing, yeah. thankfully. Well, there's actually... But, uh, I'm not sure if you saw um, Animal Crossing. has Animal Crossing, at this point right now, is at version 1.1.3. I, I remember the yeah. number because it's up in the corner right now. But it's this week has had three patches, basically. Um, but the most recent patch was to fix the fact that once you hit the 300 balloons popping 300 balloons um milestone in your nook miles mm-hmm. it stopped spawning any more balloons oh yeah that would be bad yeah so obviously people were getting they were hitting that 300 so much faster because there's like a balloon every minute at this point with all these fucking sky eggs um thankfully you know the difference between a regular one and a in a uh egg one um yeah but luckily they fixed that. Uh, it's easier to... Now people can get all their, their cherry blossom DIY. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, Doom, it's one of those... I enjoy watching people play it. I will watch the speedrun. I mean, because I fucking love watching speedruns. 
Um, yeah. But it's just, that's not for me. Uh, well, I don't think it's a game for everybody, really. Game for people who like sort of sweaty try-hard stuff like I do. <laughs> and it's funny, too, because, like, the act of that game, a lot of people have made it seem like that is a, if you're not playing on, obviously, the Nightmare or whatever, um, mm-hmm. it's a live-die-repeat kind of situation where it's like, okay, I now know that this is what I have to do. This is the order of things I have to do to kill these people, make it through here, do this, do that, and then survive by the end of it. Because that, I mean, yeah. fucking Super Meat Boy, that kind of shit, Celeste, that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. I enjoy because of how quickly that happens. It's the uh, the combat intense yeah. ones that I don't enjoy as much, I think. Well, the thing in games like Super Meat Boy Celeste is you don't lose a shit ton of progress for yeah, not. It's literally, hey, you have to redo this. The checkpoints in Doom Eternal are laid out pretty nicely, but if you go into a combat encounter and die, you're starting that combat encounter from the beginning. Yeah. yeah. You're yeah. not starting from a point, if you lose all your lives, all your one-ups are gone and you die, start from the beginning of that encounter. <laughs> so talking about the dying and repeating <laughs> things, uh, that reminded me of another thing that sucks about control and that is the load times. The oh, load yeah. times are horrendous. Are they as bad as Anthem was at launch? Uh, I never played Anthem, but so, this Anthem was... load times at launch were somewhere between three to like seven minutes sometimes. So I think the worst one I had was a three minute. I never had anything as long as seven, but it's that's low Anthem load, load times. Let's call it that. Yes. <laughs> the Anthem load time. Anthem also had a glitch at launch. Or you could get stuck in an infinite load screen. <laughs> I remember that, yeah. Um, so, uh, staying on topic with, with video games, uh, I do want to go... Ooh, I just went to an Orange Island, sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, that's free money. Um, so, on on the topic of video games, uh, as we all know, E3 canceled. Whatever. Yeah. It happens. Um, not postponed, full-on canceled. Um, full-on canceled. But... They are relying on their third-party member to do conference. So, and that's where this fun fun thing, there have been some developments uh, from a couple of different sources. Um, basically, uh, despite weeks, um, this is a tweet from Mike Futter. Uh, four sources tell at Virtual EconCast. I don't... People sharing this, I trust. That's why I trusted sharing this kind of stuff. Uh, four sources tell that Despite weeks to pull something together, together, ESA will not hold any sort of online E3 event. Instead, the organization will lean on its publishers and developer partners. Or it, sorry, end sentence. That was a weird break for me. Um, I'm told an official announcement will likely come early next week. Uh, and then I believe it went later on. There's so many fucking things. Basically, yeah, okay. More on E3 story. ESA apparently tried to, a last-ditch effort to woo publishers. It apparently pitched them at a couple of weeks ago and was shot down. Pitch proposed partnering with a variety of people, but there's something very interesting about the pitch. Uh, and then they showed a slide, E3 2020 potential production partners. One of them, it make, a couple of them make sense. Like, I mean, Andrea Renee, big name in gaming. Uh, a lot of people know her from, oh, a frog, I want him on my island. Um... <laughs> Sorry, um, and Renee, great. What's good games? Great company. Definitely highly recommend following them. They're very entertaining um, and very smart and all that fun shit. Uh, but on this list, you have Good Morning America, uh, which 
they don't give a shit about games, and we've known that from the past. But um, they're more likely to be one of those morning segments you watch where it's like video games <laughs> cause the violence and the sex. No, this would be in a good way. Uh, but they say what stands out was IGN, which, along with a number of ESA member publishers, essentially just told E3, we don't need you. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you know, it's ESA tried, and by that I mean they, I feel like they, they don't have the shit together anymore. E3, no, they don't. E3 next year will be a very different beast uh, if it's even a beast, in all honesty, um, with everybody this year, aside from sadly, uh, Bethesda already did announce they will not be doing a digital presentation of any kind. Um, which, I mean, good for them. They they can take the time to not have to throw shit together just for a presentation. Um, I would love an update on one game in particular, uh, Deathloop. Um, but that's also because I'm... I'm I just want my my arcane fix. <laughs> I, maybe I really need to get back and finish playing Prey because, like, man, I love their games. <laughs> um, but no, I it, wanted to play Prey for a long time, but I still haven't finished Dishonored too. So, <laughs> just just put Dishonored on hold. Go play Prey. Prey's a little bit faster because mm-hmm. uh, you were playing because you're playing Dishonored the slowest possible way the first time through because you're crazy. Have fun the first time, and then go back. Uh, That non-lethal way is just out of the way now. I don't have to worry about it. Oh, okay. Um, (laughs) I guess. Play games the way you want to play them. Enjoy games the way you want to enjoy them. I think the issue with the ESA concerning E3 is, to me, that statement that you just read, I read it earlier today, uh, it reeks of a too-big-to-fail air, Mm -hmm. where it's like... It doesn't matter if we don't have E3 this year. You guys go do your own thing. We know you're back next year. Yeah. Where it's like, if they, if these game companies, if these publishers do successful on their own and don't have to pay for space at E3, what route do you think they're more likely to take? They're probably just going to eschew E3 altogether and just say, you know, hey, we did fine with this conference. We generated enough hype and it led to sales figures later in the year. We don't need E3 to be around anymore. We don't need this stuff to happen. We'll host our own separate conferences. We even host them on different dates or even the same dates to compete with each other. We'll, see, don't, we'll invite I, people out to please ours. Please don't do that. Please do not compete. Don't compete <laughs> for the same airtime. No matter what, even if it's not a digital E3, I don't care. These companies understand that to get their message out, yes, they are putting things out publicly, but for people that don't watch those things or have the time to sit through an entire conference or presentation, the IGNs, the GameSpots, the the Kotakus of the world need to be able to watch and consume all of that to break it down for the public. And if you have people competing on the same day for those time slots, that makes that harder. I and I mean, yes, it's part of me is part of me wants to be selfish and be like, but I want to be able to do our live streams. I really enjoy that. E3 has always been one of my favorite times of the year because of that kind of shit. Um, it's the, what do we call it, the pre-Christmas. Uh, and it's just going to be really upsetting if it if it turns out to be either spread out over so much time that you can't really take a good chunk of time to sit mm-hmm. and enjoy it. Or if, like you said, if they all go... I mean, obviously Sony isn't... Well, 
Sony wasn't planning on being there anyway, but I gotta be honest, there is an opportunity, a chance that they could both try and go for the same day for their conferences. But I mean, uh, what was special about E3 was that <clears throat> ESA acted as kind of a governing body for these conferences, right? Because it was a nice organizational framework to participate in, what sort of like a convention is for a lot of different. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that that framework is gone, these publishers it's kind of a wild west scenario publishers yeah. are left up to their own devices and can do what they want to do regardless of what anybody else does well that's why we saw participate we, on the e3 schedule anymore yeah and i was gonna say that's part of the reason why we saw we now have bethesda being like we're not doing this uh and some people are saying well that means they probably didn't have much to show to begin with but in all honesty even for companies that have things to show they have to cut that vertical slice to present to the audience for a specific they date. really do so much earlier than an actual release date and i, th- and I think, think everybody would prefer to be like oh we can show you things when we want to whenever we want to and not have to rush things i think bethesda's big issue right now is after the embarrassment that was games like fallout 76 um they, they they have to take a step back. They really do. They have to take a step back. They have to chill out, and they have to... If they come back with something during E3, it has to be something that's going to be that new mind-blowing IP that really puts them back on the map. Or really, in all honesty, in all they, need, business model. they need to make sure that they have more than than talking about um, Fallout again, or Fallout 76 again. Uh, Fallout 76, more than just a not even a teaser trailer of Elder Scrolls 6, a title screen. Yeah. Well, that's 6. the thing. Elder Scrolls is supposed to be after um, Star... Fuck. I forgot what it's called. Starlink? What, what'd you say? I think it was Starlink. No, Starlink is the Ubisoft um, toy game. Toy oh. s- spaceship game. Um, Star... Fuck. I could easily Google this. Bethesda Starfield. Starfield. Is that really all it's called? Starfield? I guess so. Um, yeah, and again, it's... Whatever. I... I'm, I will never be, or I'm not in that camp of people that is like, oh, Bethesda sucks now because they had one bad game that they kept doing bad things with. <clears throat> That's the thing. They had one misstep, in all honesty. If you think about well, all the other games they've released, what has really been the issue? Not, not well, really. Here's, here's the thing, though. Is I have to, I have to backpedal a little bit and disagree with you on one misstep. What? <laughs> because... Fallout 76's launch, yes, that's a misstep. The handling of Fallout 76. Oh, that's 76 the thing. I'm just and, talking, the entirety of Fallout 76 was a fail. No, in the, on that. Everything <laughs> they've done to Fallout 76 is several missteps in a row, which they seem to have no intent on correcting. I mean, it's better now. Every, there are people that love that game now. There are people that love that game at launch, even. I mean, yeah. I was thrilled to play it at launch. I stuck with it as long as I could stomach it, and then it turned into basically Bethesda went throughout EA did, where it's like, we have to monetize this. We have to find a way to monetize this somehow in some way, so we're going to put all these options in before the game is even in a playable state, honestly. That's what they did, and that's what made me turn away from it. 
and I still have a physical fucking copy of that game. It's actually still in my Xbox. The disc is in my Xbox. Oh, wow. That's funny. <laughs> so it's not like I was one of those people who was like, oh, Bethesda did this dumb thing, and now I'm never going to play any of their games again and screw them forever. No, I do you, fucking bought Doom Eternal Day 1. Do you think you'll go back mm-hmm. and check out um, 76 when the Wastelander update happens? I think I'll do it when that happens, because that seems to be the incentive to play now. Assuming that that update doesn't completely break everything as every other update has done. <laughs> so and that's that's a big thing. I mean, they already pushed it back because they want to they, they want to make sure it works. Um, hope well, hopefully, make sure it works. Uh, but at the same time, they've also basically they've said that if you've beaten the campaign story already, it just kind of is more on top of the game. But if you start from scratch, it kind of changes the way it play, you play. And that's okay. I would just, I'd rather my Fallout game feel like a Fallout game instead of a broken mess of fetch quest and ridiculous level limits that mm. don't need to be there and things like that. Um, I understand what they try to accomplish with Fallout 76, and I appreciate it. People have been begging for an online multiplayer style Fallout for decades. Yeah, and I mean, but, even me, I, I wanted one, but it was, it was more of I wanted a. I wanted the ability to just play multiplayer, like a drop-in, drop-out Fallout. Yeah. Uh, but, I, well, but that's also because I've never been the biggest fan of Memorpagus. Well, that's I go back to games like Elder Scrolls Online when I first got into that, and I was thrilled to play it because I'm like, yes, a multiplayer Elder Scrolls game, finally. And I played it, and it just wasn't it wasn't engrossing. I mean, <laughs> it to didn't me, feel it, like an Elder Scrolls. Yeah, game. <laughs> to me, it was like, hey, this is World of Warcraft in the world of. Elder pretty Scrolls. much yeah and i think i think bethesda would have done better if they went sort of a co-op route even as an expansion to fallout 4 yeah if they had added something like that a drop in drop out co-op you know option where it's not necessarily it could be as in my opinion lackluster as other co-op options like you don't get story progression if you're in somebody else's game but maybe I mean, you get you get to keep your loot maybe you get to level up your care yeah. things like that I was going to say that even finally, because people modded it in Just Cause, they they made an actual multiplayer version of that game. But I think Bethesda has a long way to go fleshing out, because even Fallout 4 falls apart in some place. I don't know what you're talking about. So... Fallout 4 is fantastic. <laughs> it has my favorite, my favorite uh, yes. companion in any game I've ever played, ever. Yes, it has your favorite companion. But the issue is certain things you do in that game alter don't matter so <laughs> see um, it, so that is an interesting thing for me in the fallout games like since bethesda's made the the like first person third person shooter versions um you are basically the hero of the world or villain depending on how you're playing mm-hmm. i kind of like the idea of you doing something that overall doesn't change shit to the world you're in yeah uh, and that's a big problem with the way the games are written. No, but I mean, I like really? that. Well, I, I, like I, I like in a sense where it would make more sense if someone, if someone or some force or some group of people more powerful than you were also affecting the outcome of something. Mm-hmm. Because that would mean that, okay, your efforts really are for naught because you just aren't strong enough to outdo all these other guys. That would make sense. Yeah. Instead, yeah. you go and you do things like you recruit people to the Minutemen 
And it doesn't matter because the same settlements get attacked. The same settlements get taken over by raiders. They have the same problems. You repeat missions, side missions in the same areas over and over and over again. Yeah. It doesn't matter that you're doing any of that. And there's nothing in your way to stop you. There's nobody going up against them in a minute of time. It's just the way the game is programmed, which is poorly because it means that your decision-making process and choosing a faction to join ultimately has no effect on the rest of the game until the very ending. And that's just a poor way to write a story. I mean, that was the issue with Mass Effect 3, is you're built up to told you're built up and told your choices matter. You change the way the game, you know, plays and the outcome of the game, and then you get to the end of it, pick your favorite fucking Kool-Aid cup. <laughs> Like, I'm pick sorry. Blue. It's just not, Always pick blue. It's oh. not a good way to write a story. Sorry, I just caught a tarantula. And I don't know, Bethesda. The I can't. I, I remember going through a thread on Reddit, and I came up with so many ideas. They're called threads, Nate. Come on, get with it. <laughs> well, I came up with ideas of how to improve Skyrim, like how to improve enemy AI, so it isn't just mindless goons charging at you when you're fucking like level 80 orc in heavy armor with a sword that fires fucking lasers when you swing it. <laughs> I um, think that's a mod. I don't think that's in the main No, game. that's a real sword you can what? get in one of the expansions. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> so from the vampire um, game. The vampire it's like, I would think the baddest would find out by now that yelling at me, you've come to the wrong place is just not inadequate response swing sword <laughs> other guy sees and get lasered you've come to an okay place welcome we've got drinks <laughs> yeah, that would make sense like oh you come to or we surrender or hey maybe we'll set up an ambush and try to attack you for yeah, most damage so i, I guess that makes us. sense because i as much as i've always enjoyed so and that is i i have to think of other people playing because to me mm-hmm. i enjoy a world where people underestimate the fact that i may have killed your entire team that's in another building but then I come here, you don't seem to know about that. <laughs> but That's okay. But yeah. if you see me murder 50 of your dudes in an open fucking field and you're coming at me with your dinky little fucking iron dagger, you've made some you made some bad decisions. You might want to rethink. <laughs> and that's the, part. the AI in Skyrim is, as fun as Skyrim is, the enemy AI in Skyrim is dumb as a fucking box of rocks. Like, it's just, they're just dumb people. Yeah, shit happens. <laughs> <laughs> and so I understand it may be a limitation of technology and the engine at the time, and got release limitations for the games. I, I mean, respect hell, all the things that game developers think about how long it took for Assassin's Creed to finally have enemies that came at you more than one at a time. Yeah, but then I, well, then I go back and play games like the original Rage. I play Rage One, and the enemies in that game are smart by comparison to enemies in a game that should be that's much larger that has a much larger budget, that had much more time to be worked on. Yeah. And so it's like, these things are just an afterthought in the minds of developers sometimes. Really, not even developers, in in the minds of publishers, honestly. They just don't care as long as it's a game that'll sell. I was going to say, we got a lot of game Mm -hmm. companies that have more time to play, or work on their games now, since most things are being delayed. Speaking of which, I'm I'm pretty good at these uh, segue things. Yeah, but most importantly, and I say most importantly because of how it's been uh, kind of put out there that they canceled, not canceled, delayed it. Um, indefinitely, they Sony has delayed Last, Last of Us Part Two. Uh, mm-hmm. What's interesting about this delay is that Naughty Dog has said that they are done the game. 
they <laughs> they are basically done the game and we're just waiting to release it. Um, Sony basically is holding off until the world is in a more a a, a better um, what's that word economic standing. Yeah. yeah. They, they want to wait till people can afford to buy the. Game. They want to wait till retail. people can actually buy the game because right now, like I said earlier in the podcast, GameStop's closed. Most GameStops are closed at this point. Yeah, well, that's, sure, the largest game retailer but... is closed. All the other major retailers that could sell this game are at limited capacity. Yeah. Um, so it's just not a good time to distribute a physical game product right now. Yeah. And with the way certain states like ours have been, you can't just go out to buy a video game. <laughs> um, you can be charged with a misdemeanor in the state for try. Yep. <laughs> so, well, plus, uh, I mean, in another game, for instance, um, obviously, so, what, what the, why do I not have any clothes on? <laughs> I'm really confused. Oh, I gave her my magic <laughs> wand. I gave her my wand that let me change clothes, and then it made my clothes disappear. I didn't realize that was going to happen. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm just imagining my my neighbor uh, handing them a wand, and then as they take it, I become naked. <laughs> how to accidentally streak an animal? I didn't mean to. <laughs> um, oh man! Square Enix came out uh, and announced that they will not be releasing. Um, I almost said Fallout. Final Fantasy VII Remake early digitally. Uh, in certain countries, they have released it physically and digitally early. Wow, you are typing away like a madman. Um, I type at like 120 words a minute. So. <laughs> I type at a pace that works for me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, which is really disappointing for a lot of people because obviously there are quote-unquote spoil spoilers out there because it is available in other parts of the world. Um, and I get that. It's a game that not everybody has played, so... Wait. Where are all my clothes? Did I just lose my clothes by handing her my wand? No! Oh, no! <laughs> are you fucking I'm kidding trying, me? I'm trying to find a website I had up earlier. I'm really upset right now. There's a way to get... They didn't tell me that I would lose my clothes if I handed somebody my wand. Where is the website at? Nate, I lost my favorite clothes. Well, that's your own fault, it looks like. Not my fault. Nobody said anything. Alright, well, while we're on the topic of Animal Crossing, since you're freaking out about not having clothes... Um, lost my glasses. <laughs> there is my a glasses. website. I've forgotten the URL. To, but there is a website that has listings of custom... Animal Crossing Town Tunes. Yeah. Um, I currently have Redbone set as my Town Tune. <laughs> I have uh, the Song of Storms as mine. I did have the Doom theme as it, but it didn't sound great. Was it... Yeah, I had the original E1M1 tune set, but it doesn't sound great being cut off where it is. It probably is just... <laughs> well, I edited the, the Song of Storms one because someone had cut off the half notes that are present in the song, and it sounded really weird that way, so I put those back in. Well, um, I guess if you get rid of the half notes, it sounds like when he's angry and doing it really, really fast. I guess. Um, I'm going to go spend all my money to get my clothes back. I'm sorry. 
town tunes are an interesting thing. My flag and my shirt and everything in the game is literally just a big sad face right now. Yeah. Um, my character wears a paper bag. <laughs> so, uh, I've seen that. Yep, that's entertaining. Anybody? Watching? I'm not even. I'm not even satisfied to share my face in Animal Crossing. <laughs> you get to pick um, your face, Nate. You have a problem. You get to pick my face. Um, virtual body dysmorphia. <laughs> Uh, but interesting news on Animal Crossing. This is a terrible segue, but I'm just going to bring it up because it's the last thing I put in the list. Um, a Japanese corporation tried to use Animal Crossing to experiment as a way to work from home. Um, they had three people initially visit one guy's island, and they all sat around a stone table that the guy had built, and they sent messages to each other using in-game chat feature and try to have a work-from-home meeting session. <laughs> um, there were some pros, but mostly cons. You can't do of course, shit in Animal Crossing. Well, they couldn't do essential work tasks, like share work files with one another, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the major problems is everyone just kept talking about Animal Crossing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they couldn't address each other by their real names and find out who was who because they were just using their handle so, Animal Crossing is not a conducive work environment, to say the least. <laughs> um, it was just interesting that, of all things to turn to, a company turned towards a video game as a possible solution for one of the problems they were facing. Uh, I think that speaks to sort of how prevalent video games have become in the last few decades and how powerful they honestly are. As... And being used in ways that people, you know, may not think they can be used. Um, we were still born in a generation where, not our generation, but our parents' generation, very much viewed video games as toys, as things that only kids were into and were just things for kids to buy and play with temporarily. I mean, my it wasn't dad really... bought the Nintendo for himself, so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there were a few outliers there. I mean, my dad has Genesis. So. Um,. But, you know, that was at a time, that was sort of a transitional period. It wasn't the majority of their generation that was doing that, where it feels like a majority of our, of ours, if not so much in the past, is doing that now. Games are mainstream. Okay. Um, uh, sorry to interrupt. I just want to make sure everybody knows. When you give away the wand, you do not lose the clothes. The clothes are <laughs> tied to your wand outfits. So... Once you put it in there, they are no longer in your inventory or your storage, but you can then take it out of that so you can then put it on without a wand. All right. I feel much more comfortable. I also spent money on it on things that I didn't need to. I don't care. I'll sell them or give them to friends. There you go. Uh, speaking of, I've been planning to do it, y'all. I have a bunch of unused items. Um, some of them I'll probably give away for free. I'll make a little free space on my island. But uh, some of them I'll probably sell for extremely discounted prices, only because I need the bells. Um, Everybody needs bells, man. But things like that, I mean, things like that have been happening. And across, a friend of mine had posted to her Facebook a couple days ago. She showed off her entire item catalog. Because yeah. she spends all her time at home and has no done is play Animal Crossing pretty much nonstop. Hey, don't make fun of your friend. I'm not, but uh, no, the things she's she's done in the game are pretty amazing. I mean, she 
She was one of the first people to have her house fully upgraded. She was the first people okay, to get all the villages that, she wanted. But did they cheat? No, she she never cheated. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they had to. No, they are kind of an expert at catching tarantulas at this point. So that's what they did with most of their time. They went tarantula, okay. and tarantulas are worth eight thousand bells apiece. So. Yeah, but the final the final upgrade to your house is three point five million bells. Well, well, maybe they haven't paid it off yet, but they definitely have the upgrade. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm gonna not believe that they didn't time travel or use item duping. Well, she showed off her entire catalog, and she invited people to come to her island and buy in her catalog. Um, tip her if they wanted to, bring their own DIY materials if they wanted stuff made. <laughs> so, she was, you know, helping people out because she's gotten so far ahead of everybody. Yeah. Um, Animal Crossing at its core is more of a community game now than I think it ever was. Um, it's encouraging people to, you know, visit your friends' islands and visit, even visit strangers' islands and play together and accomplish things together and work together. Well, I mean, um, it, you need to go to other people's islands to be able to uh, get all your fruit. Yeah. Well, I think you can still get fruit from Mystery Island. Yeah, but it takes... I mean, that Orange Island was fucking... That's the second time I've had an Orange Island, and I've been to probably 30 since the last island I went to okay. that had oranges. Well, I'm still missing strawberries. That's the I, one fruit. There aren't strawberries. <laughs> there aren't strawberries. No. So what are all the fruits? Cherries? There? So you have peaches, cherries, pears, apples, oranges. Um, and you, Pears is what I'm missing. Now. Yeah, and you can get coconuts, but coconuts don't count. They count okay. on the samplers, but they aren't a native fruit. Uh, because they actually, so your native fruit sells for however much, other islands yeah, sell for native like, fruit sells for 100 bells, yeah, foreign fruit sells for like 300. I think it's 3 or 5, but I know the um, the coconuts actually sell less, they, they sell in between the two. Because coconuts you have to go to another island to get, but they don't count as, uh, as a, whatchamacallit fruit, like a standalone island fruit. Hmm. I don't know. It's well, weird. The other thing about coconuts is coconut trees will only ever grow in sand. You cannot plant them on normal dirt. Yep. Uh, I actually have three this, coconut trees on my right by my house. Yeah. Just to round things off here, um, completely away from Animal Crossing, uh, Modern Warfare Season 3 is on the way. Ooh. I can, so, talk, about, I can talk a little bit about Call of Duty right now. Can you? <laughs> uh, so me, um, me and our friends Damien and Lou have been playing. I, I yeah. not so much because we've I been playing really Warzone with Damien. We have been playing. Kind of know where this go. <laughs> Did you play Warzone? I played Warzone with Damien and Babel. It is a fun fucking game. It's pretty fun. Um, I have raged more than I've had fun, but that's because I care about yeah, winning a lot. I was gonna say, I, Nate, that's you. I actually asked Nate, he told me that you guys played together, and I'm like, did Nate rage quit? <laughs> I've never rage quit, but I did lose a thumbstick to my <laughs> Elite 2 controller because I slammed it on a table I keep in front of my TV stand, and the thumbsticks fucking ejected oh a because if you bump them in any way. so <laughs> That is fucking hilarious. Um, but yeah, he, he told me he's been playing a lot of that. Uh, and to be honest, it's... It, it took me back to um, how I felt playing, uh, what's the first one, PUBG? PUBG. Yeah. Uh, 
and, and it was one of those things where, like, I feel more comfortable playing this because Call of Duty is, one, it, to be honest, it's, I feel more comfortable playing it because it is a stable game. game. Uh, PUBG now, even, I think is still not what would be considered a stable game. Um, but like, PUBG has hardly ever been stable. Yeah, that fucking I, netcode is awful. <laughs> so we have been, uh, Lou and Damien's favorite is the, the money one. Where you have to take yeah, all the money. And, yeah, I I really enjoyed that. We had one of the last games we played. Um, we basically held up in a building for a good chunk of time, and just kept running back and forth, dropping money off. I think we ended up coming in second place that time. Uh, yeah. And like no, it was, I had, a little bit more casual. Yeah, I had that um, that kind of mind haze moment where I was just in the game and kind of didn't say anything for five minutes straight because I was just killing everybody. <laughs> and that is a rare, like, there are rare times when I'm playing a Call of Duty or a first-person shooter in general that my mind switches from, haha, fun, do whatever, Chris, to I have a mission that I'm doing well right now. You're like, in the zone. Must, yeah. Must it, it happens every once in a while. Um, <laughs> And I mean, we had times where I'd be like, "All right, let's drop over here," but we're gonna get out now and fly all the way over. <laughs> yeah. The the blood the the plunder mode is more casual because you do have respawns. Um, you start with a pre-made loadout, uh, so you're not really running around looking stuff as you are in battle royale. Yeah, I do like that. I thought that was a really fun aspect of that as well. Battle royale, I mean, is a little different. There's still some things they need to fix with it. The reason that I tend to get extremely angry at battle royale is sometimes well a lot of the time when you get killed it just feels cheap it feels like you've done everything you can to survive up until that point and you just get cheated out of not necessarily a win but you just get cheated out of living and playing the game that much longer <laughs> yeah you know things like you know a guy hiding in a bush with a ghillie suit and a thermal scope sniper that that to me is just a cheap way to play the game. I understand it's a strategy, but it's also like there's no reason that guy should also hit you from a thousand meters away, down you, strip all your armor off, and then wipe your squad, and now you're just stuck. I mean, like, they're just that good, Nate. Come on. I mean, it's good. It's fine if they're that good, but a good play to me is like you actually challenge somebody in a gunfight, and you won that gunfight based on skill. Yeah. You didn't win it because you had more armor than they did. You didn't win it because... You found a better gun than they did. You didn't win it because your teammates all swarmed that guy before their teammates even showed up. Or you didn't win it because you got a squad of two people and your rando dropped in the middle of fucking bumfuck nowhere and is doing his own thing. So things like that just annoy me about Battle Royales. And maybe they're not my kind of game. Maybe I need to take a step back from it and just play you know traditional call of duty multiplayer again now i will say what how did you feel about the gulag the the addition of the gulag and also the the, uh the auto revive kits the gulag and auto revive are actually good additions to a battle royale game the thing about auto revive is it's not automatic still have Mm -hmm. to hold down and you still have to wait through that entire time so if someone gets you self-revive that's the word sorry thank you yeah self-revive if they get you and they get you good and it's out in the open and they deserve that kill they're gonna get that kill yeah um even if you have a self-revive one if they get you from you know that thousand meters away and you can crawl away behind some cover and use it 
then good. They don't deserve to kill you at that point because they didn't invest anything in it. It's like, oh, um, you downed my last sliver of health, but you aren't in a good yeah. position to keep hitting me. Um, the Gulag is an amazing addition to Battle Royale, and I think other Battle Royales need to follow suit with this. Well, and that's um, Apex weird. Legends was the first one I played that allowed redeployment of teammates at all. Yeah. So, and that was a neat feature because it meant it kept people from doing things like you die and then you just immediately quit the game. Um, that still happens in this one because people are frankly just salty and don't want to play. Yeah, um, that's true. But, you know, the ability to redeploy, the ability to fight in the gulag for a second chance at coming back, um, it just adds a whole new flavor to the game. I still rage when I lose gulag matches. Like, I still... <laughs> I, I don't like losing those matches, and sometimes I feel like I get completely bullied, especially when it's things like, oh, we'll give you a revolver and a stun grenade. So basically it's just a match of who stuns who last, so you can shoot them. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, it's a fun little addition. It gives you a second chance to come back. It makes it interesting. The ability to redeploy your teammates is a great way of keeping people engaged in the game, um, especially later in the game after the fifth circle, the gulag closes. So, oh, I did not know that. As you can yeah, tell, so, we never got that far. <laughs> yeah, so after the fifth circle, the gulag closes, and nobody else can go there. If you die, you're out until you get redeployed. You die in by the game. You die in real world. Yep. Um, <clears throat> sometimes those final circles start closing, you know, around spaces where there's no buy stations at. So your team, the rest of your team, at that point, and it may just be one guy, has made calculated risk about whether to bring you back, and if he only has enough money, who to bring back. Yeah. So. Things like that matter. Um, Dave and I won a game where he was the last guy left. I went out somewhere on the sixth circle, I think, um, just due to lack of gear. I had already been redeployed once. I didn't have a whole lot of stuff on me. Mm -hmm. um, he won basically by, you know, hiding a lot. <laughs> I was going to say he won I by told being him to. I'm like, you have to hide. You can't engage with people because then three people just swarm you and fuck you up. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he hit a lot, and then he waited till basically a lot of people would kill each other. I think there were three people left in a single squad, and he just waited till the circle forced them out of a building where he could down them all really quickly. Because <laughs> um, after a certain amount, of, when that final circle starts climbing in, I think it's circle eight, the gas just moves in consistently. There is no more waiting for a circle to close. The gas oh. just keeps closing. Interesting. <laughs> until the end of the game, until there's just nothing but gas on the map, and whoever dies to the gas dies at that point. I always liked, um, and I know you, I, I know you don't like Fortnite, but one of the things I liked about the ending of the Fortnite games was when that circle got so super small, it wasn't a, hey, this is the final circle, you just have to keep going until one of you dies. The circle actually would find would continuously move from place to place. Instead of enclosing even further, it would actually shift to a different location. So you would have to continuously keep track of that kind of stuff. No, and COD, it just, once it gets to that final circle, that final circle just keeps creeping in. Interesting. Um, which is actually a pretty good thing. It just means that the game is eventually going to end. Whoever doesn't have a gas mask is screwed at that point, and uh, they should have been more aggressive and tried to kill the other player. <laughs> so um, it, it forces that aggressiveness out of you. This is a very aggressive battle royale. Um, where other battle royales are more about avoidance strategy, this game is a lot more about you know getting the jump on enemy squads and taking them out as quickly as possible. Um, you'll get a lot of loot from enemy squads, you get a lot of cash from enemy squads, so it encourages you to play 
more aggressively than other games, especially game types like Plunder, where the way you get a lot of cash is by killing other people. Yeah. Um, so it's it forces that out of you. It's less of a passive battle royale, more of an active one, and I appreciate it for that. Um, as far as Season 3 is concerned, I'm not sure if new things are going to be brought to Warzone just yet. Um, but it does mean a whole new battle pass is going up. So I think there's three days left on the current battle pass. So if you haven't finished it and you want to finish it, they did give everybody 10 free tier skips yesterday. I just don't have um, the battle pass. I don't know if they're up there today. But 10 free tier skips really helps out. Basically, that's the game giving you 10 free bucks. I just blew my mind. Um, did you know you can close your curtains in your house? Does I know I can what in my house? You know the windows in your house? You can close curtains. Oh, I didn't know. <laughs> I did. I like. I looked up and I was gonna do like a lean on the windowsill kind of thing, but I tapped Discovering A. Discovering like, new feature. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, yeah uh, I, season, I don't think I don't see myself putting any money into this, but well, the battle pass isn't for everybody. For me, it's a great addition because it gives you cool cosmetics and gives you new weapon blueprints and things like that. So that's that's fun for me anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um. The uh, the thing that they're bringing back are, of course, new operators for Season 3. One of them, interestingly, has a history with a tactical gear company called Terran Tactical, the same guys who trained Keanu Reeves for John Wick films. Ooh, um, that's cool. They have been... The guy who runs that uh, has been mired in his own sexual assault controversy lately. <laughs> I won't even Ooh, get into that. Cool. But uh, one of the girls from his group essentially is the model for one of the operators coming in season three yeah um they're bringing back a character from the campaign alex who was the american cia operative you played in the campaign I um, definitely a lot know of people that speculated is. that he would end up being ghost in the later game but he's not he's a whole separate operator this time around and he's got a prosthetic leg which takes place i assume after the campaign because he blows up in the campaign <laughs> so spoilers technically he blows himself up oh hey um, you know what thank you you just remind me of something else i was gonna say i have one more thing after this before we and wrap up because we are getting yeah pretty close. Uh, uh so there's gonna be apparently three new operators i don't know what's in the season pass itself i haven't had time to look that up uh but it's keeping the game the the season the battle pass stuff is keeping the game back. It's keeping people coming back because it gives them an incentive to play. Even if you don't buy it, you still have the free options which usually includes two new weapons for each yeah, one. Yeah, I did see that, two. that you get some kind of progression even if you're not paying. Yeah, so things. there's free items on every one of them. Um, and two of those items are always going to be weapons. So people play just to unlock those weapons. I don't know what, what it looks like if you don't unlock those weapons in the current season. I don't know if there's a way to unlock them later on. Um, oh, I didn't think about that. Yeah. But the last one was an SMG, the Striker 45, which a lot of people thought was an ump, but it's not an ump. Um, and what was the other one? Uh, I forget what the other one was, but uh, they just added a new shotgun to the game as well called the VLK, which is a new semi-auto shotgun. So they, they consistently add weapons. They consistently add new content to the game. And the great thing is it seems like they're concerned about balancing this time around is from previous Call of Duty's where they would add a weapon and it would just be completely OP for like two weeks. Yeah, they so that is an interesting thing you are you mentioned there with their balancing. Um, supposedly, there's a recent addition 
for something that you can pay for that it turns out actually makes it a better game a better game or uh, weapon um so there mm. currently and it's most likely just a glitch that they haven't fixed yet there is a, a technical way to pay to win um I can't remember. It's a Reddit post. A guy basically went through a whole thing explaining and showing off what was going on. Uh, I Really, it's not that important. Um, what I wanted to mention was, are you done with the season pass stuff? Or was there more? Yeah, I'm pretty much done with that. Okay. So, while everybody's all excited about Warzone, they went ahead and dropped the fact that Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 was getting a remaster in a release, and it's already available on PlayStation, but PlayStation mm-hmm. only, because fuck us, we're, we're EA, or not Activ- or Activision, whatever. Um, fuck Sony. Um, the, the, uh, the PC port in the Xbox version will be out at the end of the month, um, but it is campaign only, no multiplayer. But in all honesty, do you really need multiplayer when you already have all these other options right now? Um, mm-hmm. It is a cool idea to drop just a campaign. Is call is two the one that has no Russian? Yes, two is yes. the one that has no Russian. And yeah, I, I think remember there are articles that have come out on their Russian how it's somehow worse. Really, I know that they it it's not in the uh, it's either the game itself isn't out in Russia or they cut that level completely. Um, for, uh, I, I guess, I don't know what reason, can't think of any. Uh, There's a GameSpot video on YouTube just titled, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 Remastered, No Russian, Fails Now More Than Ever. Fails? Yeah. Oh, okay. I don't know what they mean by fails, because I haven't watched the video, but... Me neither. No, as, far really as, I, as far as I know, all the missions are exactly the same as they were in Modern Warfare. Yeah. I mean, there's no, there's no, besides it running on a new engine, there's no change to the gameplay overall. (laughs) So, the final thing I wanted to touch on, um, because, yay, cool, Modern Warfare 2, great game. Um, Disney has finally announced some changes to their release schedule. Uh, Obviously, COVID-19 has made everything get put on hold and have to delay for other reasons. Uh, So Disney put out an adjusted list of movie releases for both their regular films and also all of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, So new release schedule as it is right now, Mulan is now coming out August 24th. Um, Wait, right? Oh, sorry, July 24th. I can't remember months. Um, Free Guy, which is that uh, Ryan Reynolds NPC in a video game that realizes he's an NPC and decides to break his his routine, uh, is coming out December 11th. West Side Story, which I didn't know was even coming out, is coming out December 18th. Jungle Cruise <laughs> is coming out in July on July 30th, which is really close to Mulan. That's weird. Uh, Indiana Jones 5 again. What? Um, it's coming out July 29th. That makes... Oh, July 29th, 2022. Okay, that makes more sense. Those were both 21 and 22. That's funny. This is not their complete schedule. They definitely haven't given all the dates. Um, no, they haven't. I think it's... Sadly, critical movie this dates. is the saddest part to me. 
the new release date for the new mutants is still unknown. They have not given a new release date for the new mutants. Um, <laughs> at this point, a lot of people are calling for it and asking for it to be put on Disney Plus or digital platforms. The problem is New Mutants is part of a deal that Fox put forth before the merger, and it is basically required to go to, um, I believe, HBO first. Mm-hmm. I think it's a deal with HBO, um, which is really disappointing because I mean I I fucking I just want to watch that movie. I'll pay it. I'll do the twenty dollar rental like everybody's been doing with all these other movies. I've wanted to see that movie since they announced it. No, that remind, a lot of these rentals aren't even now. When I tried to like I looked up some movies that I was like, all right, well I obviously can't go to a movie theater to watch these anymore. And these are movies I see I just never went to go like Sonic. Uh, you can't rent Sonic. You have to buy it. Oh. You have to, sure? the twenty dollar price. The twenty dollar price is a digital purchase. I could have sworn I saw somebody say they could rent it. No, you have to buy it outright. Like I checked Prime Video. I checked everywhere. It's just a digital buy for twenty dollars. Well, that's disappointing. I mean, I would buy it. It's a great movie. Did you Did you do it? No, I didn't do it. Oh, I highly recommend <laughs> like, it. No, I'd, I'd much rather like rent the movie for like six bucks than just outright buy it for twenty dollars and not even know if I'm gonna like it. I can get, yeah, I can buy it 4K on uh, whatever this phone is. Google Play. I'll find some way to end up watching these movies. Definitely through um, legal ways, yep. But uh, I think this this outbreak has changed the landscape of the way media releases are happening in general. Well, it uh, could be moving forward. We don't know. I mean, this is the first time ever um, most of these movies that you're, we're talking about have already had a little bit of a run in theaters. Um, mm-hmm. But on the 10th, I believe it's the 10th, Trolls, the sequel to the Trolls movie, is Trolls World Tour is releasing in theater and digitally, day and date. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And that is the first time that has ever happened, I, I believe, for like a, a, a AAA release kind of thing. I say AAA, you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> well, I think it's... It's interesting to think that we may be looking at a future where that is the norm. Maybe we've not got, the norm, but it's something that happens at least a little bit more often. It happens more often, and if the outbreak... I mean, the initial projections for this outbreak, just to give you an idea, were six months. Yeah. Six months we were dealing with a pandemic. And that would also have happened... That would probably mm-hmm. be more accurate if, you know, you had a competent um, group of if people had, in charge... If, if any political body dealing with this right now is competent, it wouldn't be as bad as it is. <laughs> Nobody has dealt with this the way it ought to be dealt with. Um, I mean, China seems to be recovering pretty decently now. China's president is also Xi Jinping, so I'm not... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's <laughs> leave Winnie the Pooh alone. I'm not exactly uh, confident in how they're dealing with things. Let's it's just okay. They brought, they I... brought 40,000 coffins for supposedly <laughs> 2,000 corpses. Um, Let's put it that way. Well, they, they, don't forget, um, North Korea doesn't have any cases and has no issues whatsoever. Oh, of course, North Korea is fine. North Korea is. <coughs> I'd be surprised if there is a single person left alive in North Korea right oh, now. Don't say that. That's really bad. There are good people in North Korea. They're just stuck. There, there are great people in North Korea. I'm just surprised that they're actually alive. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I'm coughing a lot. I'm fine. I just need a drink, and I left my water upstairs. He's, he's got it. It's oh. over. Uh, the last thing 
on the list of uh, uh, Google. Can you catch COVID through the internet? No, you cannot. <laughs> Motherfucker. <coughs> Are you actually searching that right now? <laughs> I did. <laughs> I'm like you, bitch. Um, so the last thing of release date changes uh, with all this. Disney has basically shifted the entirety of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, Black Widow is now releasing on the original date for Eternals. Eternals now where Shang-Chi was. Uh, Shang-Chi where Doctor Strange was. And continuing on through Thor, Black Panther, and Captain Marvel. So everything's been pushed back one release date. Yeah, the only thing... It, it, the most entertaining thing to me, though, is that now... Um, so Thor was supposed to come out in November of 2021... Now it's February 2022. Uh, mm-hmm. Captain Marvel got pushed from July 8th, 2022 to July 29th. But it's interesting to see that that was pushed, but Black Panther just got a release date. Instead of being pushed or moved, it looks like they just put Black Panther 2 on May 8th of 2022. Um, yes. you know so when Black Panther should come out? June 19th. Juneteenth? Juneteenth. <laughs> I've seen that episode. It'd be so good if Black Panther came out on June. That, that's the episode where that's the episode of Atlanta where um, Donald Glover put the cover for "Awaken My Love" before it, he showed off the <laughs> album cover. Yes, it's also a real historical. Just so you know. <laughs> oh yeah, in that episode, it was a white guy throwing a party. Um, I think it's these movies are all Blade. Really. Um, Black Widow is still the first one on the list. Yeah. I, I I don't know why I get a bad feeling about Black Widow as a film. Why? I guess I'm just going to have to wait to see it. She's not I playing don't... a character that should be another race. That's a good thing. That is an amazing... That is a very good <laughs> I'm glad because I watched some... I watched some videos, some critiques of Ghost in the Shell. I still haven't even seen the full movie. I went watching critiques of Ghost in the Shell and actually listened to the explanations and reasons that they gave. Ghost in the Shell is a fun movie <laughs> until the reveal that she literally is um, an Asian a girl little, and a white girl. A girl's little body. Japanese girl. Yes. Like, Jesus Christ. The, the problem is, is, is it, it, like, there's so many sins against the source material. From what I've heard, that I'm, I'm sure it's a fun movie to watch on its own. But if you know anything about the original Ghost in the Shell, uh, you'll be you'll be gritting your teeth a bit. <laughs> See, I didn't, and I I guess it might be because I'm not as big of a fan. Like, so there are some shot for shot re- recreations in that movie that look fantastic, in my opinion. And the um, shot for shot recreations are fine. Yeah. It's what the source material represents philosophy that the story tries to get wrong. Yeah. That was sort of done away with in the modern film. Um, that's kind of... Because Ghost in the Shell is not just, oh, here's cool cyberpunk stuff. It was a story all about transhumanism and how people... Um, that was kind of Matoko Kusanagi's story throughout the Ghost in the Shell movie and throughout all the later... Um, I don't think that's even really touched on in the American film at all. Uh, at least from what I've heard. So that that would be my issue. <laughs> is the theme is just not the same. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I would 
but Black Widow gives me a bad feeling because it it's just from what I've seen in trailers and things like that, it looks like shorts and entertaining film. Um, it looks like what? I mean, it looks like an entertaining movie. Um, it doesn't look like it's it's going to be terrible in any sense of the word. It just doesn't it doesn't give me the feeling that other Marvel trailers have given before. Not raising my excitement like those other trailers did. I, I will agree. The trailer wise, mm-hmm. it has been it it doesn't impress me in any way. Um, the only things that I've really I've really enjoyed so far were some of the scenes with Taskmaster. Task Task no, is it Taskmaster? Yes. Taskmaster. Um, I'm thinking about Sportsmaster or whatever from fucking DC. Uh, but my thing, uh, it, when you see him doing other people's techniques and you're like, oh shit, they, this is actually really entertaining. The, like you see him do the, the Black Panther stuff. You see him doing Hawkeye and, and Captain America. Um, I really enjoy seeing that in how well it looks like they're portraying that. I know a lot of people don't like the costume. I understand he doesn't have a skull face, a skull enough face for people, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, it, it's there is a certain point or a certain level in the MCU that is more realistic than the comic world, and it's not so much of we're trying to be a more realistic world. It's more of a a practical thing. Um, mm-hmm. Because in the comics, Taskmaster is literally, he looks like he has a real skull for face. Um, yeah. And that's just, I mean, you even looking at Red Skull in Captain America, it doesn't look mm-hmm. the greatest. Uh, yeah. I mean, well, hell, Red... it took so long for Thanos to finally look relatively, look, for a CG like, character, pretty human. Well, you know. Like something not pulled from PS3 cutscene. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it definitely looked better than fucking uh, Steppenwolf from Justice League. This is true. But that's because, you know, Marvel actually cares about its CG and DC doesn't seem to. Yeah, I even sh- though even though <laughs> CG, CG is like all of their main villains. Yeah. Well, it's like, like, it's, if you're going to do a superhero movie, you know, a soundstage with a lot of CG backdrop and CG props, it, it's the only way you can really accomplish that task, honestly. You can't do it all with practical effects. There's no way to make it believable and immersive with practical effects all the time. I think the the thing about Taskmaster's look in Black Widow is it is a more grounded more look, but so were all the other characters. I mean, you can see parts of Cap's suit which look like they're basically just ballistic armor. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I mean, there are people that complain about Captain America's outfit still, so. But the... Uh... The way Taskmaster looks doesn't jar me that much. I mean, I've seen real-life tactical masks that they're called tactical masks with large air quotes around the word tactical. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in real life, I've seen that kind of gear before. There's even ballistic face shields you can buy. So there's, like, real face masks you can buy that are made to stop bullets. Mm-hmm. Um, the What I'm worried about is... Taskmaster, for the most part, in all the trailers, actually, for the, all of the trailers, is completely silent throughout every trailer. Yeah. Um, which, I guess, if they do it right, can give off this spooky, badass, bad guy kind of vibe. Um, but are we even going to get to know this character beyond he's just the thing that Black Widow has to fight for? Well, if you think about it, it mm-hmm. it's kind of the same thing um, Ant-Man and Wasp are 
yeah, Ant-Man and the Wasp, you didn't hear Ghost speak through any of the trailers. Uh, no. But then she became but a then, much bigger part in the actual movie. Well, it's funny you bring her up because as much as people talk about Marvel villains, she is my favorite. Really? <laughs> and she's, well, she's, she's not my, an actual villain? Well, she's my favorite because she was the ultimate sympathetic villain. Yeah. Um, even more so than Thanos was, where it's not just she's a crazy person with a crazy plan who thinks that they're right. She's a person who actually has to deal with real pain and suffering and is just going about it in an incorrect fashion, going about alleviating that suffering in a wrong way. And ultimately, she finds her salvation by accepting the fact that other people can and will help her if she just chills out a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> so that, to me, was a great... That was one of the best villain arcs in all of Marvel, and I think she's a massively underrated villain because she was in a massively underrated film. Is it really that? I guess it is underrated. It it doesn't help that... Um, the Ant-Man movies are probably some of the weakest of the ones that I like. And I... <laughs> feel like part of that part of that is there's still part of me that wishes that we had gotten the Edgar Wright Ant-Man that we were promised originally. Yeah. Well, you have to take superhero names as sort of like actors or build, right? Is if you want to make a if you want to make a movie that sells a lot of tickets, it gets a lot of, you know, butts and seats basically. Um you're going to top bill whoever the most famous actor in that movie is even if they don't have the most prominent role. Yeah. Like, you're not going to cast Chris Evans in a movie where he plays a secondary character, but then not give him top villain. Um, That's like after uh, Jennifer <laughs> Jennifer Anderson became a popular person, um, they put her on the cover of every copy of Leprechaun. Yeah. It's like, oh, she's so, popular now. Let's make mm -hmm. her even more popular or more famous or whatever. Exactly. So when it comes to superhero films, it's like... You may have a movie that's about Ant-Man and the Wasp, right? But you put them in a movie like Infinity War, and all of a sudden they're overshadowed by Captain America, by Iron Man, by all these more prominent superheroes that people really know about and really know the names of. Yeah. Ant-Man was never the most popular Marvel superhero <clears throat> to begin with. Um, but I and will so say... for a lot of people, it feels like those movies are just there to fill in that phase one through phase four story yeah well they also have to have the characters to replace people that were gonna die um <laughs> but see so that's the thing with with paul rudd you the reason why the only reason i enjoy those movies is because of paul rudd if you yeah. had cast anybody else i mean i'm sure they would have found somebody good um i mean because that's what marvel does marvel finds the right person, the right actor for all of these roles. Maybe not the first time, all the time. Because uh, no, Don no, Cheadle, you know what, definitely Paul, the better Paul Rudd to me is everything Dane aspired Every, Everything what? You Sorry, you cut out. Everything Dane Cook aspired to be. <laughs> he wants to be a vampire that never ages? Well, yeah, I guess. But <laughs> also a genuinely funny person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Paul Rudd is that kind of guy that you know can make some of the worst humor possible but you would also be perfectly fine with having him hang out with like your parents the thing about paul rudd is you can always tell that when he says something 
that's like dark is he's still joking. Like it's still meant to get a laugh out of him. Yeah. He isn't there to put people down or make people feel bad. His goal as a comedian and as an actor is the most purest goal there is, and that's to make people laugh and to give people entertainment to make them feel good for a little while. And he does that so well. He's an expert in his craft. And I think the unfortunate thing is for him... 300 years. <laughs> yes, I think the, the unfortunate thing is, you know, him being Kent. Ant-Man is not an unfortunate thing for him necessarily because it is the biggest, you know, role he's had in a long time. Yeah. But it's an unfortunate thing in that he's in these underrated Marvel films, which means he's never going to come to the forefront like Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans did. You know, unless there's big changes coming up in the new Marvel fate, which I hope there are. I hope we get to see, you know, the leaders of the Avengers become sort of the new guard. I hope we get to see Chadwick Boseman, Paul Rudd, and, you know, Anthony Mackie and those people come to the forefront and be the new leaders of the Avengers. Well, no. Well, it'll be it'll be Tom Holland, Spider-Man, as long as they can keep that that relationship going well. And it'll be... Um, yeah, the thing, though, is Tom girl. Holland has to age. He has to what? He has to age. Yeah. He has to be naturally. more than perpetually 16 years old. He's not perpetually 16 years old. And also, he's definitely older than 16 years old. Um, I'm looking this up. He is 22, I believe, this year. He is a young 22. He's 23. Hello. He's born like six. Hi, Kim. <laughs> oh, okay. Tom Holland is 20. Oh, this is this is why he's only five foot eight. Yeah. He's a short king. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's why he looks so young, though. He's 23. That's how it happens. All right, we have been going for two hours <laughs> and twelve been. minutes at this point, so we should probably wrap this up. Short boy, stop making fun of Tom Holland. <laughs> You're just jealous because he can get he gets all the ladies. I'm not. I'm I'm making sort of a inside joke to myself because I talk to a lot of guys who complain that the reason why they can't get ladies is because they're short. Yeah. Well, so, here's the problem. It's because. They're short, and they don't look like Tom Holland. <laughs> well, they don't try to look like Tom Holland. Do you think Tom Holland... Do you think that fucking skincare routine is just natural? I don't think so. Nah. I think that fucking body was just... He just came out of the room fucking shredded as hell. <laughs> I've got, I watch videos of this kid doing backflips in his fucking backyard. The thing. You gotta think about it, though. You know who else that people love? And he doesn't have that shredded whatever body? Fucking uh, David Harbor. People love David Harbor. Oh yeah, well, people love David Harbor because he's a fucking old guy, funny as hell. Yeah, he's a nice. He's, he doesn't. He doesn't. Even though he's become this amazing actor with all this credit to his name, he doesn't take himself so fucking goddamn seriously. And I hope he stays that way. I feel like he's old enough. Like that he, he was married to one of the biggest names in <laughs> dating, one of the biggest names in wow, engaged to. Him. And they it, broke up, and he just brushed it off like, meh, doesn't it, matter. Sorry, I'll find somebody out. else. You were cutting out who was he married or dating or whatever? I, I forget the name of the actress, but he was dating somebody who was a... Oh, okay. And um, they were engaged, and then they broke up, and he was just, meh, doesn't matter. I'll find somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, 
thank you for sticking around if you have or if you are going to listen to this as long uh, I also realized the the audio thing I don't think ever actually went live for last week's episode or last episode this the the audio versions don't sound as good when they're ripped from the video which sucks um, but this one I probably won't put up as audio either because of the gameplay audio because that'll be weird who knows um, but yeah, thank you for joining us on another episode of Space Time Taco. Uh, I foresee us doing at least three to four more of these socially distanced ones. How about you, Nate? I'd say that's a good estimate. Yeah. Um, I'm, again, basing that on the projections of how long this pandemic will last. So... The, the bottom line is however long it lasts, however long we'll have to continue to do this. <laughs> uh, next time you hear from us, we will both be 31, though. So, ha-ha, you hear? Boom, boom. Um, <laughs> oh, man, Nate, we didn't even talk about the series finale of Steven Universe Future. I can't even because I haven't. Really. Oh, okay. Well, that is something to look forward to. Within. Apparently, it is perfect. I myself with a lot of tissues. It was great. And, um, I loved it. I love the crew, the crew universe for everything they've given us in the last make sure, years. Make sure I'm in a safe space with people who care about me before I watch these episodes. So I highly recommend. Uh, so yeah, thank you for watching. As always, if you like what we do, if you like our voices, follow us on all the social media. Give us a, a like and a subscribe and hitting that bell notification on our YouTube channel. Uh, Never, never miss out on any of our live streams. Um, I, I really, I want, I wish that I had been uh, actually quarantined to home instead of having to still go to work, because <laughs> no, like if I could work from home, but then be able to stream regularly, it would be great. I can't do that right now. Trust me, I wish the same thing, but I am an essential rent-a-cop. High five, essential employment. Um, yeah, you know. I, as I feel, a, I feel good about all the actual essential people out there, like EPs and police officers. Like yeah. you guys are awesome. Oh yeah. You know, keep up the good work. Not but, only that, you know, all the, anybody in medical in the uh, police force, all that shit. But also, as somebody that used to be one of you, I feel your pain as <laughs> grocery store employees because, <laughs> as dumb as it sounds, you we may have been minimum wage people but we are obviously part of one of the most important uh branches of society <laughs> you, you are you are the infrastructure of society and you are entirely underappreciated for being such yeah so believe me i know um so yeah stay inside and play video games go fucking if you don't all right here we go we have a list of games because you are now home Go play Animal Crossing. If you don't want to play Animal Crossing, go play Control on PC because it runs better there, supposedly. If you don't <laughs> want to play Control, go play Doom Eternal. It's good everywhere. Even Google Stadia, I believe. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and fucking go and watch, because they just put it up on Disney+, Plus. go and watch Pixar's Onward because it was great and I cried like a, a little baby because... If you Next have time to get Disney Plus, yeah, you still have fucking Disney Plus. Get Disney Plus. Whatever. Stay, stay inside and play video games. Now I gotta go <laughs> hit the button because there's multiple buttons I have to hit to end this thing. Press all of them.